You're listening to WDW Tales, a glimpse of the Central Florida theme parks from a cast member's perspective. WDW Tales, behind the name tag. And now your host, Justin Stone. Today's episode is a little different, guys, but it's certainly going to be a lot of fun as we have a guest host. Uh, now, this guest host is, uh, is a cast member, per se, uh, but he's a cast member of a different set. And um, well, while, while you may not place the face immediately, you'll certainly know the voice. Uh, today's co-host has played a multitude of well-known characters, but most noticeably, Prince Lotor from Netflix's wildly popular Voltron just kicked off its sixth season, like a couple days ago. And the oh-so-famous Marty McFly from Telltale's Back to the Future game, one of my personal favorites. Uh, I'm a huge Back to the Future fan, as you guys know. Uh, but it turns out he's also a huge Disney nerd and a great movie ride fan. So how can I not ask him to be on the show? Ladies and gentlemen, AJ Lacasio. AJ, thanks for coming on, man. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's so funny to listen to an intro about yourself and like just keep quiet. Uh, it's so. But yeah, dude, uh, anytime. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, I should do. I should write eulogies. I think I'd be fun at writing. Just, just sourcing them out. You know, like that's the only. I just write online eulogies for people. <laughs> you should write them in the in the in the style of an introduction to a podcast, and uh, <laughs> and here they are, and then they bring out the dead body in the flesh, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Exactly. I'm in the flesh. Uh, yeah. So thanks again, and I just for everybody on the phone, I I gotta say, so we we attempted to do this before, briefly, and uh, through some hiccups, uh, it it didn't all catch, but uh, we started some great stories, and AJ's super cool to come back on. He's definitely one of us guys. Uh, and I can't say that enough. I don't know if it's a good thing or it's a bad thing, depending on on how you look at that. But uh, I think yeah, it's yeah. a good thing. I think it's all a good thing. I like to think so too. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. So right. Yeah. My, my listener out there. <laughs> yeah, my friend Nick. I know. Uh, I know him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Your one listener, Nick. Uh, it's funny. My friend actually was like, "Dude, you got to check out this guy's Twitter and this guy's podcast." He's, you know, because my buddy actually is, uh, you know, a fan of your stuff and. Uh, yeah, and so that's how this all started. I was like, all right, so I checked out your Twitter, and it's funny how, uh, and and here I am. Yeah, that, and here you are. That's it's <laughs> it all comes around full circle, man. It it does. Uh, anyways, so I want I want to get into talking to Disney, of course, um, but I can't let it go without without uh, asking the question just about like just give us a quick quick backdrop, uh, a background on how you how you got into acting and voice acting and specifically such huge iconic characters like marty mcfly and lotor those are massive characters with huge backstories and fan bases so i'm gonna give you the mic just just kind of give everybody a sense of, of how you got to where you got <laughs> all right um boy uh the, the weird thing about the story is i don't believe it and uh i think i said this to you before is the the idea that i'll see actors that'll tell a story of like oh i was just in a theater and i got discovered and like and i'm always like what a jerk you know, like nobody's that lucky. And on some level, I mean, that's kind of what my story feels like after I hear myself tell it. But um, in a nutshell, uh, I saw I was living in I was kind of living on and off in between New York and New Jersey. And um, I saw a, uh, a press release for Telltale's Back to the Future game. And at the time, I wasn't acting, really. I mean, I went to film school and um, and I would act in people's stuff. I had done plays and stuff as a kid, but nothing really, you know, it wasn't like pursuing a career in acting at all. And um, so I saw this press release about the fact that there was going to be a Back to the Future game and I called up my cousin or maybe he called me, I don't really remember, but he um, he told me, he was like, dude, you got you to gotta audition for that. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, you know, 
I don't know how I would because I, you know, I'd done a Marty McFly impression for him and, and people knew I did a, a Marty McFly's voice just for, you know, it was like a party trick. And um, so, you know, he sort of got me amped up and I like swung my car around because I was on my way somewhere and I drove home and I looked up, I was like, who's producing this game? And I found Telltale's website, which had all the information, like all the, um, the different departments and stuff. So I found um, just the top one, which turned out to be uh, Rhoda, who was the accountant at the time at Telltale. And I just called her and left a, left a voicemail sort of as Marty McFly, which was just this really kind of pathetic, um, you know, like, hey, my name is Angel Ocasio. I do a pretty good Marty McFly impression. And, you know, just kind of leaving this weird... I, it must have been so weird. I think they played the the voicemail for me at some point, but it was just kind of this like, well, you know, I've got nothing to lose. Nobody knows who I am. I have no reputation. So um, there it is. And I sent it out. And, um, you know, I got a response within like a week, which I was shocked, um, saying like, hey, you know, like, cool. Thanks for that. Um, shoot us an email. Like, here's our email um, with, uh, you know, like, uh, here's some sides or whatever, like record some stuff from the movie. So I did, I sent that out and then didn't hear anything back for like months. And so of course I just assumed like they're going to get Michael G. Fox and you know, this is going to be a big game. So, you know, a couple months go by, I move out to LA and then like the week I got to LA, I get this call that was like, Hey, and was, <laughs> this guy, Julian, who's, who's now a buddy of mine was just like, Hey, AJ, it's between you and like one or two other dudes. Could you read some more lines and send them along? And I was like, what? Like I had totally forgotten about it at this point. Um, so I, it was like, yeah, so I went out and bought a rock band mic and uh, taped it to a paint can and um, recorded these lines and sent them off. And then I was like vibrating. It was me and my friend, my roommate, Susan, at the time. I was just like, oh, my God, I can't, you know, like I just got here. This is crazy. And um, I was like, this would change my life if I got this. So then a couple of days later, I get a call that was just like, all right, you got it. And I like couldn't believe it because this is, you know, I'd never really auditioned for anything uh, at all. You didn't have your representation, <laughs> right? Like you were totally. No, not at all. Uh -huh. They actually wound up giving me, they had to Taft Hartley me into SAG, uh -huh. which is like when they, you know, they got your back basically. They're like, yeah, come on in. So yeah. I like uh -huh. got my SAG card like right off the bat, which is, I know if there's someone who's tried to get into <laughs> SAG hating me right now. Uh -huh. um, oh, actually, no, it was AFTRA. It was another, doesn't matter. It's a boring details. It was another one and then they merged. So it was a whole thing. Uh -huh. But um, that was my first gig was doing that. And I was super nervous, like crazy nervous because I, you know. I was like, oh, my God, can I act? Like, I don't even know if I could really act outside of, like, my friends' movies and stuff. So I was pretty freaked out. And they flew me up to Telltale, which was just happened to be, like, an hour up north. And, um, yeah, and then it just started from there. I mean, there was a, you know, the game came out and people were super positive. I thought I was going to be burned at the stake. But um, people were really uh, kind and excited that they found someone that sounded like Michael J. Fox, which I don't, in the history of, games and TV and I've never heard of anyone being excited by a sound alike ever uh -huh. you know so it's like yeah. kind of a rare weird thing and um yeah that's how it all started which is I, I, every time I tell that story I both hate myself you know what I mean for being lucky and also like I can't believe it it's um uh -huh. if I heard someone else telling that story I'd be like oh what a jerk yeah that lucky bastard so it's like um, if you can dream yeah. it you can do it or you can stumble upon it and do yeah. it. yeah <laughs> who would I mean it's one of those weird things where it's like you know, I felt so strongly about it. I was like, man, this Michael J. Fox impression is is pretty damn good. Like, I hope one day I can use it for something. <laughs> and it's crazy that I actually got to use it in the best way possible. You know, if I never voiced Marty McFly again, or I would still feel like, well, I did it. You know, it's done. Like, I got to use that skill, which is so 
strange and rare and who would have guessed that would have come in handy that's that's amazing it's such a cool story man i mean it's just because it's very obviously you you've put a lot of hone you've honed in your craft so you could do the the character even before you knew about the game coming out right but, yeah. but it's it's not like i spent 12 years at juilliard and then i went to the sorbonne and i did the, like it's very i, I think it's <laughs> there's something inspirational about it because you joke about if you can dream it, you can do it, which is like the most hackneyed thing ever. But right, uh, right. But it's you know that's a good example. I mean, I I said I could have a similar example where I had to use my skills to get on TV. It, but uh, you remember the show Nickelodeon Guts? Yes, of course. <laughs> so I used to rollerblade like not like before rollerblading was a thing. Like my best friend when I lived in New Jersey, his dad's roommate at Yale like invented rollerblades or something like that so we had these rollerblades before <laughs> anybody else did and we used to like skate all the time and played hockey and all that stuff and uh, my folks had split up and I was moving down to Orlando with my mom and some fam other family members and there's like a Nickelodeon was casting for guts it was like the new show it was like American Gladiators oh for yeah. kids <laughs> so we went to sound it was like soundstage 22 or whatever like that and you had to you did a quick camera read like you need to read but you stood so they could take a picture of you to make sure you were camera friendly. And then uh, one of the, they made you, they hooked you up to like this bungee and you like jumped down and shot a basketball hoop. And then the last thing they did was they had a rollerblades and like kids were falling over themselves and I was skating around, <laughs> skating around and they're like, yeah, all right, he's made it. So I got to get on. That's, <laughs> I attribute rollerblades to me getting on and winning Nickelodeon Guts, by the way. Wait, what? You I won Nickelodeon? I'm way more geeked out about this than anything you could possibly be geeked out about with me. That's amazing. No, it's, How do it's, I watch this episode? That's so I, it's it's so hard to find, and that sounds so so cryptic, but uh, I found the old VHS tape maybe like six years ago, and I digitized it. So it's like, you know, the tracking is off, and it's really yeah. bad. Because I can't find it anywhere on, uh, on YouTube. There's... There's uh there's some pretty sketchy people that sell I so I bought the entire collection of Legends of the Hidden Temple off of <laughs> eBay. Um and they're these really janky DVDs that like, you know, they're like handwritten like season 1, season 2 and cuz I love that show and it was a dream of mine as a kid to be on that show. Uh so I'm sure on eBay you could probably buy a collection for like 20 bucks that would have a better copy. Yeah, I didn't think about that probably. It's uh yeah, it's funny though cuz every once in a while I guess there was a late night Nickelodeon that that re-aired it. Right. And I will still get like a text from a friend of mine, you know, 20 some odd years later. And they're like, hey, you were just on guts. And I was like, uh, funny. He's like, no, like, <laughs> just a screenshot of me like holding up the aggro crag. And that's so crazy. Yeah. Did they let you keep the aggro crag? Yeah, they did. So it, well, two what? things. So <laughs> it, it was a prop, of course, for the show. They shot three episodes right. a day. And uh, because of the way the obstacles were set up. So you'd go in, you'd do an obstacle and they'd take you back to the green room. And then two other episodes would film that obstacle and so on and so forth. So like. Three months later, four months later, I got this huge box in the mail, and it was the aggro crag, but it was, like, on this 40-pound wooden base, and then it was, like, this hard resin, almost glass with a neon green light inside of it shaped like the ag like what you held up in the show. And then it right, had, like, right. your name. It was, like, my name's Justin Stone, and then the, my nickname was Jay for some reason. They <laughs> they call me Jay Superfly Stone, and which, by the way, when people in my professional career found it like i was my office was plastered with super anyways i digress but uh so <laughs> yeah and then like i got a medal and i got to keep the reebok shoes <laughs> and uh this thing That's that amazing. sucks is that my like it was in orlando where my mom still lives and i moved all over the country and uh she's like you know i i finally this is probably 10 years ago she's like i finally cleaned out the garage and 
she she chucked everything. She like threw out old movie ride costumes. She threw out the aggro oh, crag. Oh God! It's, Wait, she threw out the aggro crag? Because she's like she's just went on this terror, and she's like it's too oh, much. There's no. too much stuff of yours. And I got she called my bluff, and I was like you're not gonna do it. She she totally did it. So that's the that's the worst thing I've yeah. ever heard. So my I was gonna my, ask. I was like where the hell's the aggro crag? I know. That's, so oh it's and you see it on eBay. It's like someone was selling theirs for like fifteen hundred dollars or something like that. I was so mad. But the saving grace of it all was my brother-in-law at the time. Was, this is back when Nickelodeon was at Universal, and they were like doing like you know Welcome Freshman, and Clarissa explains it all. Fifteen, right. like they were actually filming on the lot. He went as the like regional manager of advertising for Nickelodeon or for marketing for Nickelodeon. So his office was in it was at the studios. His first day was the or his first week was the week that I was shooting Guts. So it was the first season, so they had to do a lot of press, like they had a lot of junkets and all that stuff, and so he used my episode for all the press. So if you like Google guts and you see there's a kid in the blue outfit holding <laughs> the crag, like that's me. It's, and so there's like a cutout at Nick studios where people would put their face in and it was, it's the, mo it's, I mean, you get it. Like, cause there's so much fan art for Lotor and all that stuff. Like you totally <laughs> get it. This I, is way cooler. No, than it's that. totally different. I didn't want to, I didn't want to like drop names and drop shit. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm way more interested in this than anything you could possibly ask me. This is insane. I mean, I've talked to many people about just the concept of talking to someone who is on guts. You're blowing my mind right now. It's, um, I, it's, that's a, yeah, it's was a, the whole thing was a completely surreal experience to say the least. And me and, and I ended up working at Universal for a long time, like in the recording studio, doing a lot of live sound, like years and years and years later. And it's still funny to like walk through that sound stage and be like, yeah, that's where Jay Superfly tore it up. <laughs> so he did his thing. Come here, ladies. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I actually, so I love, I mean, I love Guts, but my, I was obsessed with Indiana Jones as a kid. So Legends of the Hidden Temple was my, like, that was the goal. Cause I was like, I might get my ass kicked on Guts, but Legends of the Hidden Temple, I think I could do. <laughs> and so I still have reoccurring dreams that I'm auditioning for and getting on Legends of the Hidden Temple, but it's nothing like it is. Like the, the sort of theme of the dream is that I'm there, but it's extremely disappointing. And it's this, <laughs> Dream that I get like every couple months. It's like bizarrely recurring where it's like, oh, good, I made it. I'm on Legends of the Hidden Temple. But the <laughs> stage is weird and it doesn't feel right. You know, I don't know. It's like a nightmare version. Yeah. Um, for just we'll talk about it later. But for Movie Ride, there's a Facebook group, a close Facebook group of Movie Riders. There's like 1,500 of us. And everybody has a movie ride dream like almost every day you'll see someone post about i had a movie ride dream but the the gangster <laughs> show was part of bandit and then it like turned into the backlot tour so instead of me hijacking the vehicle i had to talk about catastrophe can't it was like all these weird crazy things but before i i leave this i wanted to get back to one thing you were talking about for ebay so right going on into those shady corners of ebay where people like record off of off of uh tv to get you stuff right. i actually i did do that and this is going to be the this is going to be the cheesiest thing ever and uh I, I kind of don't want to admit it, but I kind of love it. I don't know if you remember, there was a show on AMC. Before AMC was cool, like before a AMC was like Breaking Bad and Walking Dead and all that stuff, they had, it was basically old movies, and they had a couple of originals. They had a show called Remember When. I don't know if you remember it. I don't. I didn't really watch AMC. I was not, uh, it just wasn't on my roster. Yeah, and I'm, I'm an old soul. So it basically <laughs> was, a, it was, a, it was about a radio station in Pittsburgh and, uh, in like 1938. And so it was like very, it's like period piece and people, you know, talk like this and, and all this. Right. And it was like, it was a really well done production. And then ABC and uh, AMC got huge and they jettisoned how their old look and, and brought in a lot of new programming and they never put this thing on DVD. And so I found it on eBay, like literally somebody put it on DVD, but it's like 
holding a camera up to the TV. You know, oh God! Like trying to trying to put like a like a uh, bathroom like a toilet paper tube around the mic towards the TV so you get like an omnidirectional sound. You don't hear like the dog barking or the kids crying in the back. And That's I was like, so yes, funny. like I got it. I got yeah. this whole show. It's anyways. So. Uh, Sorry to, to, to digress off of that, but uh, no, that's the know. most exciting thing I've heard yeah. in years. That's wanted, you don't you don't realize that made my day. Uh, yeah. I wanted deep. I wanted to bring that's you awesome. down. I wanted to bring you down a peg a little bit. I wanted to start. Yes, out. <laughs> I'm I'm completely up. humbled. I'm in <laughs> awe. Anyways, okay, so moving on, man. Uh, we I also want to talk about some of the Disney work you did because you. This is where we kind of get into the de facto cast member piece, and you and I kind of joked about it last time. Is uh, you did some Han Solo work, right? You did some movie right. film stuff. So it's yeah. essentially, essentially Disney, right? So it know, is now. Yeah. So <laughs> you may not have the name tag, but you, this is so. There's for for anyone on the who listens to the podcast and says this is only for cast member stories. With AJ is a cast member, and so <laughs> I make and I make the rules. So so I'm okay yeah. with that. And I have I've done a lot of random Disney things, and uh, you know things that are that no one will ever see. Um, because they were either canceled or just buried deep in, in the Disney archives. So it's, uh, I've been around Disney, but you'll, no one will ever know about it. It's very, uh, it's kind of heartbreaking. I've done some really crazy stuff that I'm sworn to secrecy about forever and ever. And it breaks my heart. Maybe one day I'll just be like, ah, screw it. So here, you want to know the plot to blank, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. And, um, I've, I've, yeah, I've been in the trenches. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a drag when, when you film and things don't get optioned or they don't get picked up or uh, it's, and so it's crazy. Yeah. And yeah. I can't even allude to what they are, which blow, which is what's so painful. It's like these, these projects sort of one was smaller and got canceled and I was like, okay, it was still a lead thing. And it was cool. The other one was enormous and it was animated and I was just like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, anyway, I've been in the Disney family on and off randomly and it's, it's, uh, there's nothing quite like Disney. There's just a different vibe to yeah. everything. It's it's cultish in the best way, um, at least from a studio point of view. But it's like people are just happy and thrilled to be there. I know mm -hmm. the park side is very different depending on where you are. My girlfriend actually um, was a Jungle Cruise skipper, and uh, she was not. She just did it because it was a job. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was like, all right, cool. They accepted me. I'll go do it. And she was kind of freaked out by the cultish aspect of like everybody's <laughs> sleeping with everybody. There's all kinds of Disney babies popping out and all, you know, like uh -huh. all the weird drama going on in the in the Jungle Cruise and all that stuff. So it's a uh, yeah, a very different worlds from what I from what I understand. Yeah, it's it's for sure a, a whole different ecosystem that they I mean, it even it's not even on the front line, too. It transcends like the backstage. I think we also talked about this. Is, so uh, for those of you who don't know, I work in advertising, and so I had to go – when I was at an old agency, we had Disney Parks as a client, and I had to go to Burbank to pitch a TV spot and uh, or a commercial. And uh, so we went to the, the lot in Burbank, you know, like by Walt's office, and you could, you know, you could right. see where like Dick and Bob Sherman created all the best music ever. And I was like right. – <laughs> my eyes were so wide open, and I was like, this is the best thing ever. I've worked for Disney for 10 years, and I never got this far. And everyone else with me is from Chicago, and they're eight, you know, like totally just – it's another advertising pitch and they're like whatever fine it's just you know but the funny thing was is what i'm getting to is even as we were quote-unquote vendors and we were back a house professional back a house uh, you still had to adhere by the disney look so i had to make sure that i didn't have any earrings in i was totally clean shaven i had black socks uh because it, they didn't necessarily like come by and check but if you didn't uh if you didn't have that look then there were a couple of things. People would look at you funny, like you're not supposed to be there. 
or they thought you were uh, like a creative on the studio, so a writer or a producer or something like that, and never would kind of get close to you and trying to figure out like who oh who's this guy? <laughs> like we're at the commissary and they're like, why is his shirt untucked? Do should, <laughs> is he important? Do I know him? And uh, I'm not important at all. So, but it's funny that uh, like that <laughs> kind of trans transcends just not just what you see every day, but uh, it, so it is. It's very cultish in a way, and and yeah. I mean you only get away with it if you're you're Joe Rody, who a friend of mine. <laughs> Was working in. Uh, she works in Imagineering, and apparently she was at the commissary. And Joe Rody hit her with her e- with his earring. <laughs> You're kidding. Yeah, and I'm like, that's a very funny and specific story that only a few people would appreciate. But you know, if you've uh-huh. seen his earring, it weighs looks like it weighs a million pounds. Yeah, I know. It's kind of hangs. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. So getting into the, the Disney part. So aside from working uh, and doing some contractual work with them, but like being a fan, like the you know as you alluded to at the top of the the podcast episode that uh you a friend turned you on to the stuff i was doing because i was probably talking about the great movie ride like i do and uh which you turn out to be a fan like and then one way or one thing led to another and you start following me you start talking and and you started to kind of show me like how much of a disney fan you are like an everyday disney fan which is (laughs) sometimes i think sometimes people don't you know they don't i they don't kind of necessarily associate people they see in media to be you know fans of the stuff that they're doing sometimes right. um, you know neil patrick harris and john stamos probably two of the big biggest disney fans that right 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 know. yeah but, so like what's the what's the appeal like how f- a is it parks is it movies like how far down the rabbit hole do you go and like, um, what's the like what are the experiences you had with uh with being a fan or going to the park well it i mean it started when i was I mean, so we would go to Disney World every year. It was basically, we never went anywhere else. That was the, I lived in Jersey, or grew up in Jersey. And so my dad, I think it was kind of like a shake and bake kind of vacation for him. And it, then it wound up turning into kind of an obsession where he was just like, eh, it's easy. We'll go to Disney World. So we would go literally every year since I was born. And um, it, you know, sort of took on this other, uh, this otherness. It was like going to Oz or something where all of a sudden, you know, like all my parents' marital problems sort of melted away and all the stress of the world. We would go in the middle of the school year too. We'd go, or it, at the end, we'd go in May. So it was like everything just sort of stopped and we went into this fantasy world. And um, I mean, I loved everything about it. I was obsessed with Magic Kingdom and Epcot and all that stuff. But uh, specifically MGM is what had a really huge impact on me because it was the, the whole aura, the atmosphere of walking down uh, the, the street and seeing, you know, when it's with the Crossroads of America and seeing the Chinese theater up ahead and like the music and that whole thing just really struck me. And um, it was enchanting, it was magical. And I loved movies like like The Rocketeer or um, I mean, later on things like Pleasantville or there's something to that sort of nostalgia mm-hmm. uh, that just really got me right in the gut. And um, with the great movie ride, uh, there's that gloss, that magic of, of, of what movies used to feel like. And it's so, so rare that we, you know, get to experience that now, which is why I think as I get older, I cling more and more to the nostalgia of MGM and what it was trying to present. And, um, specifically with the, with the montage at the end, the, you know, the, all the great movies over, you know, over the years and, and presenting it in a way that feels as great as those movies deserve. Like it really kind of just got under my skin from a very early age and um, it became this aspirational thing, this this desire to create more things that make people feel that way, and also just to be surrounded by it. I wanted to live in that, you know, 1930s Hollywood world. And um, I was very disappointed when I moved out to LA, and there, it's not even a little like that. Um, 
it's very weird. It's weird to walk around LA now and see the, like the husk, the carcasses of like, oh my God, this used to be a beautiful Art Deco building. Right. And now it's some crack, you know, crappy, a crack, there's probably crack in there too, but just some really crappy place that sells like cheap teddy bears and cell phone parts. And yeah. it's like, it's heartbreaking. Um, but, uh, but it's still there in certain places. You could see it in, I love Burbank, you know, like Burbank sort of retains some of that old fashioned MGM Hollywood magic feeling. Uh -huh. And so I, I hang out more there more than I should. But, um, yeah, th there was just something about, that's what got me. It was the, it was specifically MGM and like watching the actors in the street and like eating those almonds that smell better than they tasted, yeah, right. um, you know, and sort of just being wrapped up in that fantasy. And I, so I look forward to that more than anything. I was obsessed with the sci-fi cafe and primetime cafe and, uh, just honestly, because I couldn't really go on rides, like they made me really sick from an early age and now they still do. Um, I just sort of learned to appreciate and study the atmosphere. I mean, I spent so much time just looking in the windows and appreciating all the detail mm -hmm. and, and work that went into this. So that was what started. I mean, I love the movies. I love the sort of the silver age of, of Disney animation with Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and all that stuff. Um, that's the silver. The golden age is technically the other stuff, right? It's like Snow White and yeah, stuff. Right. Uh, to me, it's the golden age, but uh, it, it's, all, um, right. it's all generational. Right, right, right. Yeah. But um, I mean, I love the movies, but it's specifically the those aspects of the part and old Epcot too. I do like old Epcot, the kind of bizarre, educational, like unentertaining but delightful at the same time. Like I enjoy that too, but not the, to the degree that like the Backlot Tour and the Great Movie mm -hmm. Ride and stuff had an effect on me. For sure, I I completely agree, uh, it, and it's the thing that I, I love now is trying to remember or even find the old bits of the parks that are still there. You know, they're hidden away right. or they're turned into something else, and you you kind of see the the outline. Uh, you know, so like like the Star Wars part that they painted black over an animation courtyard it used to be the animation tour, and right. actually a long time ago it used to be the opening of the back of the entrance to the backlot tour and then it was the animation tour and then they now make the star wars thing but that's the same thing with me is that it's it's trying to find those details that uh romanticize what you believe to be true of the time right like right. We, we know like hollywood wasn't like that if anyone's ever you know learned about fatty arbuckle or <laughs> you know, like, there, there's some pretty weird shit that went on in hollywood but the yeah. and still does but the the way that the the Imagineers at the time decided to say, you know, this is the Hollywood that everybody believes to be true. And right. we're going to take bits and pieces of old Hollywood and we're going to put them in here, but we're going to put our own spin on them. And I love that too. And, and I, uh, that's why I love MGM. And, and as we say MGM to some of the newer listeners, it's Disney Hollywood studios, but we never, nah, it's say MGM. That. We, we don't call yeah. <laughs> anyone who's anybody doesn't say that. Yeah. Uh, only garbage people say the other one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Stop listening right now yeah. <laughs> turn it off you're not wanted here no uh, but the that's the thing i love too and i and i we were talking i think through twitter or something where i was mentioning so my sister was on the college program in 89 when the park opened she, she actually came in before the park opened and then opened it up she worked at the great movie ride and she was the first bandit she was the first cowboy or cowgirl that's so crazy so being like a kid you know in 89 when this thing i was probably i don't know 12 in 89 and and uh back in the day i guess people still do it but back in the day it was like you would get to the parks like 45 minutes early and you'd stand outside the gate everyone would mill around right. the gates you know and waiting for the yeah. for the opening for the big fanfare whatever and uh, <laughs> and i remember like uh waiting there i just i literally can i can still feel the breeze on my face and the gates you know those bluish green gates they're you know freshly painted because it's brand new the park's brand new it was, this is probably like in july 
we went down and uh the gates opened and i just like took off like a bat out of hell down mickey avenue like <laughs> past everything and just i wanted to get to the movie ride because my sister talked up this ride so much and uh and so i you know i got there and i obviously had to wait for the rest of my family who was less than enthralled uh, to me to get up there so so and back then it was like 89 so it was what there's Dick Tracy Crime Stoppers. There was right. Movie Ride. <laughs> there was uh, uh, Monster Sound Show and Superstar Television, and I think that's it. A Backlot Tour. So everyone ran to the movie ride. That's all you did, right? Like that's the thing. It's it's the ride, and so um, people would go in, you know. And I'm like, come on, come on, come on! Like not paying attention to anything, but get in and then get in the ride and just be like, eyes just so wide open and and just enthralled with everything that that I'm seeing. And then my sister hops on as as Kate Durango and. And she's like, you know, you look like you're trouble. And I was like, I am trouble. You know, like all the, like playing <laughs> along. And I was like, that's my sister. And she's like, shut up. You know, <laughs> like all that stuff. That's and so funny. So, and, and I, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that too. And that's kind of what I, I liked it too is, uh, you know, my folks did split up as I talked about as well. And so like what I remember is uh, I have uh, five older brothers or four older brothers and sisters. And so, uh, you know, the Disney World is where we went. That was our vacation. We went a couple times a year and, uh, and uh, there was only at the time Magic Kingdom and Epcot for the most part. And so, like, we stayed at Fort Wilderness, and my mom would stick me off with my siblings, and they would leave me on a bench because I was too short to end ride anything. But I would, like, just kind of soak it all in and drink it all in. And so um, I, you know, I appreciate that. I really do. And I think a lot of my listeners will appreciate that as well because I think for a, a lot of them, it's the nostalgia factor. It's what you felt as a kid. Right. And then being able to, you know, try and experience that to some degree uh, yeah. as you get older. So yeah. w- anything with movies too, or is it, is it just, are you parks or, uh, I mean, I like, uh, I, I mean, I have a real soft spot for the kind of, uh, the touchstone era uh-huh. of movies. Like there's a, even though, I mean, Dick Tracy is a horrible movie. I'm sorry. It's just a, not, I do. There was, I loved it as a kid and I was obsessed with like his watch and kind of the whole, uh, feeling of, of that movie. Even though now when I try to watch it, I'm like, I don't understand why I like this so much, but like. <laughs> Specifically, The Rocketeer had a huge impact on me. The whole, I mean, it's still, I think that more than anything, like sort of connected to MGM in a way, because I remember at the time that I became aware, which was, I think, 91, of like MGM and like, and and branding and all that stuff, like The Rocketeer was sort of interwoven into MGM. And so was uh, Roger Rabbit. Yeah, uh-huh. And um, those, that kind of, specifically those two movies, like, became buried in that experience for me and and I still obviously I'm obsessed with them and um but yeah I mean trying to think what other movies I loved Honey I Shrunk the Kids and funny story uh so there was a commercial years ago for the Honey I Shrunk the Kids like playground where they must have spliced in footage from the actual movie where the kids are eating the Oreo Mm -hmm. as a kid I didn't understand that so I thought we were going to go to this park and there would be a giant Oreo that I could eat so I remember like (laughs) dragging my parents i was like we gotta find the we gotta go to the park and like you know freaking out and trying to get them to the thing and i was so excited and then i remember seeing the giant oreo and running up to it and just this horrifying realization as i like slowly touched it and i was like it's metal it's a giant metal and i was heartbroken i was so crestfallen and you know, it's so funny now as an adult thinking like, well, obviously they're not going to the the madness of having a giant Oreo made every day and the kids that would die and spread disease and the bugs. <laughs> but like, I just didn't know. I thought that there would be this insane giant Oreo that I could just dive into as a kid. So 
I uh, I can never forgive them for that, for tricking young, you know, four-year-old, five-year-old me with, you know, showing the park and then showing them eating the Oreo was a real, they knew what they were doing. The power of advertising. Right? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's terrible. I, uh, <laughs> this was after I worked there. This was uh, a little bit later. Maybe, I, yeah, I just started working there. It was probably... Uh, I don't know, 93, 94, maybe 95. The Nightmare Before Christmas, which is a, a huge, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, right, yeah, me too. They brought a lot of the set pieces and they brought them to, there used to be this thing called AFI Showcase or American Film Institute Showcase that was kind of tucked away at MGM. And they would bring in set pieces and props. And it was really where you exited the backlot tour. You'd kind of go through. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my favorite bit. There's, yeah. a, there's a really good, for any of you Rocketeer fans, which is probably just me, uh, there's a really good video that someone took like this crazy still like HD video practically for the time of all the Rocketeer props in that in that area, in that like that vestibule. And oh, really? I've watched it multiple times because it blows my mind that someone had the presence of mind then to go around and film each prop from like every angle with a very steady hand with a camera that probably weighed like 90 pounds, you know, and uh, it's just a, an interesting time capsule of like what MGM felt like at the time. And I, I was obsessed with that area because they always had amazing props. Yeah, they did. That's amazing. I, a huge Rocketeer fan too. I even have the little Funko Rocketeer. On my, <laughs> yeah. Actually, next to my Marty McFly. And next <laughs> to my Horizons. Uh, what, what, anyways, uh, yeah, that was the cool thing is like that's when you felt the Backlot Tour uh, and that area always felt like like you always knew in the back of your head that this isn't going to be that kind of studio i mean like i worked on like wheel of fortune and Pittsburgh usa which is this terrible animal planet show that started some <laughs> c-list actress from chips like way back oh, in the day, brian leary and uh it, that mortal Kombat was a show that they shot there or thunder in paradise like these old syndication shows. wait like mortal Kombat, the video game no the tv show there was a tv show like a syndicated tv show in the i don't know probably but 97 98 not, is it based off the video game yeah yeah i had no idea that existed yeah so that's wow like, you just blew my mind it was another like one i think two seasons they shot they shot in soundstage 2 uh, which is now midway toy story mania it's literally toy story mania it's where they film that that's so weird yeah so but you'd you'd still like you'd go through the boneyard and you'd see like flight of the navigator or indiana jones yeah. car pieces or the who frame roger rabbit cars and you're like maybe like maybe just maybe something cool is going to go on here. And so you always had that glimmer of hope because you could you know, kind of feel it and, and touch it and experience it. And that's what I love. I used to think yeah. I was a huge Epcot fan, but the older I get, the more I realize how much I just really love the studios. And I, I mean, I worked there for five, six years, so that also helps too. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really more of a, of a parks guy than a movies guy. I'm not a characters guy at all. And I'm dreading taking my kid to see like all the characters and wait in line and get hand, you know, like maybe because I dated a lot of girls who were characters. <laughs> back in the day which there's some that's a whole nother story a whole nother set of podcasts but uh i feel like there's a hard wait th uh, just to be to get weird for a second there's a hard line between like the characters like goofy or like cinderella <laughs> like which uh, oh <laughs> well uh, well goofy's a dude and is tall which uh is not my thing <laughs> oh okay all right maybe i should have specified yeah I don't <laughs> no no clarabelle uh, um, yeah. Wait, so, right, so I, okay, so yes, I dated a face character. She was uh, Jasmine and Pocahontas and Mulan. You lucky bastard. She kind of acted like she was on Broadway. Uh, um, I actually had a very similar experience, and I, I hope she's not listening to this, but uh, yeah, where I, uh, this girl that I went out with was a face character, and I, I didn't know that right away, and I was like, she's really weird. <laughs> and it, um, and then we went to Disneyland together, and I, I slowly started to learn that I was like, oh, she was one of the characters, and it was she thought she was actually yeah. one of the characters and it was terrifying um it's weird but yeah 
It's weird. Yeah. But I dated a lot of what they call fur characters. Which Ooh, is, which sexy. Is, which is weird because it's like a furry thing and it's not. No, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. either face or your fur. And most people uh, work in fur because there's more characters than face characters. So right, right. the girls that I dated, uh, like five, four, five, five. So Jiminy Cricket, Minnie Mouse, <laughs> C- Cousin Louie, um, Smee. <laughs> like what? That's amazing. That's so funny. Yeah, it's I really lo- weird. Cousin, you mean like Louie from like Jungle, Jungle Book? Book? Jungle Book, yeah. That's, or or but that's amazing. Yeah. Tailspin. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Even once I was dating, so I was dating a girl who was playing Chip and Dale. Actually, sorry, I was. This is at River Country. Uh, I was entertainment. I was like face entertainment. I was an MC. I'd come out for the River Country All American Water per, uh, show. So all day I would just like hang out in the pool and like you know play. This sounds weird. Play with kids. Play like, <laughs> like water balloons and you know dive like belly flop competitions and all that stuff. And there was uh, Goofy would he would water ski in from the Contemporary, and uh, and we'd be like, hey everybody, Goofy's coming, and he literally water skis in. And there's Chip and Dale, and then there was. Minnie Mouse and there was Pluto and I dated a Chip and Dale and so I threw on the Dale costume just for the fun of it and I'm like I'm 5'10 and that character is like a 5'6 character so I'm like busting through <laughs> like the <laughs> arms and I ran out on stage really quickly to everyone's like everyone was, was just horrified that they were gonna get caught and get fired I didn't care at the time and I have a picture of it somewhere and I I don't I don't really know the rule about posting headless character pictures in the internet if disney would crack down i don't think they do but i always get weirded out about showing them but uh so i dated a girl and she was like super mad she, we were gonna break up because i like she thought i was gonna get fired and oh my god anyways <laughs> I what a beautiful reason to break up though is like <laughs> you dressed up like chip or da- that's so funny to me yeah but you want to talk amazing. about like culture and cult th- that whole like every department or every facet or discipline has its own you know uh, f- faction, I guess, should, should have their own, uh, their their own mores and laws and codes. Right. And entertainment. I was a I was a drummer in a parade, the Tapestry Nations Parade, and uh, and so we were in entertainment. We were musicians, and then there was the other team of like the dancers and stuff like that. And we started. I got like a really good understanding of how different it is than say like working in the attractions or food service. But it's yeah, it's totally weird, man. <laughs> Uh, but that's funny uh, that you kind of bring that up because I, I'd lo- like I'd love to know if uh, if you had to down the name tag. Oh, sorry, my dog is freaking out. Um, so, so sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, if you need a second, I'll let go. I don't know if she's freaking out because my girlfriend's home, or what just ducky. Sounds like a big dog. She's yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> ducky, come here. There's people working on the roof, so it's ah. there. It freaks her out. They should be done by now, but all right. Anyway, sorry. We'll edit all this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll fix it in post. Uh, yeah. So let's see. Oh, so right. So uh, because this whole podcast is about cast members, as as we've been talking about, like if you had to be a frontline cast member, if you had the job, if you had the gig, uh, what would you do? What was would it be? You know, was would it be movie ride? Would it, would you scoop ice cream? Would you be a dapper Dan singing on Main Street? Like, what oh, what were the things that you'd want to do? I mean, I, I don't know if this. Ca- I'm assuming this counts, but my dream as a kid was, uh, and it's still my dream secretly, is is to do the Indiana Jones stunt show. That was my like as a kid. I was like, one day I'm gonna grow up and I'm gonna be really buff and I'm gonna look just like Harrison Ford and I'm gonna do the Indiana Jones stunt show and I'm gonna be the best Indiana Jones there was, and. Um, yeah, that was my. That's always been my dream. Um, 
but you know, I'm, I'm, uh, not, you know, six one and I don't look like Harrison Ford and, uh, <laughs> but, um, not that you necessarily have to look like Harrison Ford, but, uh, that was always been my dream or to work at a, I don't know. I love primetime cafe. I think I would, I would love to be a waiter there and sort of, I just love that atmosphere or, um, like the jungle cruise. I, well, no, the great movie ride over jungle cruise. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cause I, you know, obviously there's nothing I could do about it now, but, um, <laughs> I just look like so much fun. I, you know, just to, to do that spiel all the time. And I don't know, I just feel like it would be a lot of fun to just constantly go through that ride. You know, um, I'm sure it was maddening at times, but it just seemed like a blast. It, you know, it was, it, it, uh, and I think all of those, all the jobs you mentioned would be awesome. I, uh, that Indiana Jones character actually doesn't have to be that tall because of the way that the stage is set up where the boulder comes down. You actually have to be a certain height. And I think it's like five, seven, five, eight, something like that. Perfect. Uh, I just yeah. make it then. I'm going to start to get real buff. Uh -huh. Although, I guess you can just put padding under that jacket, right? You can totally do that, <laughs> yeah. But the thing about the Jungle Cruise, it, uh, this is a long-standing rivalry with the movie ride and the Jungle Cruise, is because this movie ride is an acting position, and the Jungle Cruise is a spieling position. <laughs> That's the way we put really? it. Really? No, That's I mean, funny. of course, it's all spieling. We're actually, right, right, oh. you know, we were called, in Gangster, we were called gangster hosts because we weren't actors. You couldn't get sad you couldn't get uh oh interesting pay. but that's uh, weird but the thing about the jungle cruise that i loved and and you know i've talked about this in the, the past my wife and i went to disneyland not too long ago and it was like the last it was like midnight it was the last thing in the night and i was like let's just get on the jungle cruise i love it it's not as good as the disney world one because the disney world one's longer and has the tunnels and, and all yeah that i love the um the what's it called the, the temples and stuff like that yeah, yeah. exactly right uh yeah the whole cambodian s scene so uh, yeah. we got it, and the but the cast member and it's like you know and, and my listeners know, the Jungle Cruise theming is all like 1937, 38, you know, far outpost in the middle of nowhere, and uh, the cast member had uh, she played the character so well. She had like the victory curls in her hair that were that were all the rage in the 30s and the 40s, and she had, she talked with that kind of Jean Harlow voice, right? And she just she crushed it. Like she, I was just. <laughs> I'd seen the. I've been on the ride so many times that you, you know, you can you can taste it when you touch the the boat. You know what I mean? Like you right. know everything that's just gonna that's gonna happen. And I was just like fixed on her because she. If I were anybody else who wasn't so intimately understanding of the ride, I would be totally into the whole ride. But I was just on her because she did such a great job of of assimilating to the position and assimilating to the ride that I was like, Oh my God, like there, there are quality jungle cruise skippers out there. <laughs> what did I, who did I think? Uh, there are no movie riders or else they'd be there. Uh, so th that was, uh, that was something that I, I, I would never, I could never work there because it's a Hatfield McCoy thing. But, uh, I had some respect for, for her for doing that because it was, it was really, uh, it was really well done. So even primetime cafe, like what a fun, restaurant that used to be it's kind of dumb uh kind of dial it back a little bit but to have you know mom and dad come out and mom right, makes yeah. you wash your hands and makes you finish your greens on your plate With that pink powdered soap that yeah. always got me about i don't I, I love the texture and the insanity of that soap <laughs> I, there must they must have got some great deal on industrial soap because it's that's that sticks out to me more like it's such a, a sense memory for me whenever I rarely encounter powdered soap. I'm like, oh, my gosh, just like primetime cafe. Yeah. And they used to ask you, mom used to say, did you wash your hands? And you'd say yes. And she'd say, what color is the bar of soap? And you'd say white. And she said, no, it's pink. 
it's pink uh, powder. <laughs> so she'd call bullshit on you. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I do. I could totally see you doing those. Those be that. Those are like solid, solid uh, positions for sure. No one ever uh, says like I want to do custodial, but. <laughs> I had a friend who worked a soda who smoked a ton of weed and he was so happy <laughs> and that's all he did. And he was it John Lasseter? I heard he, he used to do uh, custodial. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, that was his. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I know something Steve, like like Steve Martin did his thing for a while. Steve Martin was at the right. shop and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. And then like Wayne Brady, I, I didn't work directly with Wayne Brady at the studios, but all my friends did in the Ghostbuster show. And it's weird. It's all it's all very. We're all touched. We all touch Hollywood some way or another. <laughs> so so because you never did that uh but you had you know you obviously had some thought about what you'd want to do do you is there any like do you have any questions outside of like if you could ask any kind of cast member question do you is there anything i could answer for you you don't have to ask but i was just curious if that's such yeah. a I, you know and i again i should have prepared this i knew this was coming again and i still have nothing but i know there were questions rattling around in my brain um Oh geez, um, let me. I, yeah, yeah, uh, we had actually talked about this online, but I just want a copy of the <laughs> the, oh, end, the, the great movie right montage. I'm working on, but uh, that's that's not a question. Um, that's just me being a selfish man child who uh. wants to to view his childhood and weep. But um, I don't know. Is there any weird stuff? I've I've actually seen a lot of your posts and stuff that have actually kind of sated. How I, um, you know, like there's you had pictures of backstage and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. Or that was you that posted that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that kind of stuff actually like really filled like a like a hole <laughs> in my brain. I was like, oh, cool. Um, the uh, oh, how did the revolving door thing work? Where the Holt non-believer like was there? So, oh, so did you guys just like drop down a thing or you just you just walk through it, right? Well, I, dude, first it's Holt unbeliever, but whatever. unbliever. Sorry, God. sorry. That's, un unbeliever doesn't sound as logical to me as non-believer. <laughs> uh, I always get it wrong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, call yourself a fan. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I have some pictures of it, but essentially what it was is, uh, so uh, in that area we call the Anubis. So Anubis, uh, if, you, uh, if you were in the gangster show, so uh, I'd come down as Muggsy Takata, I'd hijack the vehicle, the tour guide would run away backstage. She would go up and essentially walk over uh there's like a a walkway over uh just as you're passing indiana jones so assume you're going from indiana jones to into anubis like that's that show scene changes uh and you kind of you don't come around the corner but the wall is low and then you come in and you can peer the anubis statue that's because it's low because there's a walkway right there so you cut, cut through and then back there's like a little room and room is it's more like a hallway than anything and there's a couple robes and uh and there's also a box where you would change out your bullets as the gangster. So you dump your old bullets, you get new ones. And, and <laughs> but what uh, the way it worked is the tour guide would put a robe on and they would come out the door or come out. There's an open area uh, to your left if you're looking up at Anubis. And they would uh, they would essentially, you know, pose in their position. You would you'd come in and, hey, get a load of that chunk of ice or you look at that their treasure whatever it was right and uh you'd say your spiel you'd say your line you come down go up the stairs and then you'd hit a button on the right side of anubis which basically cued the spiel if you forgot or if there was like a 
a, a dead show, which means there are no guests on it. You're just cycling the vehicles through, but you still have to set off the show. Um, the, there's one on the tour guide side, and they hit that. And so then they, they, you do the whole thing about, no, nah, I'm not worried. And you pull out your gun during the spiel, and then you go to reach the jewel. And as you hit the jewel, it was timed that all the CO2 would come up from underneath and mask you for the audience. And there was a door that swung around. So the door was on a electric magnet. And it would, so it was, uh, once that CO2 went off, it uncoiled the magnet or it unlocked the magnet so the door could, could swing, um, right. just like a revolving door. And on the other side was a, was a, uh, was the skeleton holding up. Right. <laughs> so that's all it was. But there were some days like, it, I left the ride in 02 and uh, it was showing its age. And so there's sometimes shows would go by and you wouldn't get, you'd get hardly any CO2. And that was supposed to be what they call a 101. 101 means the ride is broken down. That's just terminology, Disney terminology. Right, right, right. So it would, there were a couple of things that would make the ride go 101, which is that, the gangster car, the, here they come, guys, get out your grinders, whatever. Right, right, right. That, if that Mugsy went down. The, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so if that didn't work, then that would go down. That thing never worked. There's some people <laughs> who were firing at like invisible gangsters or the car would already be stuck out. <laughs> but the Anubis thing was sucked when that happened because you'd spin the door around and then everyone would see it. So oh, there was actually sucks. a couple of times where uh, – and you're, this is like a fireable fence. I'm sure of it. But when that happened, the door would turn around and the tour guide would go, ta-da. Like that just goes to happen. That just goes to show you what happens – anything can happen in the movies. I actually came around the door, that open area where the tour guide was, and I was like, see, that's what happens in the movie. <laughs> so like, I totally <laughs> broke character and – and uh, the tour guide's like, "What the hell are you doing? What, what are you doing?" And I, I didn't really care, but that's that's the way it worked. It was just it was a simple just um, uh, swivel door, and uh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of what I imagined it was. But I thought maybe there was like you drop into a trap door, and it's just a pile of ex movie workers that uh, <laughs> <laughs> all in a heap. Um, yeah, that's basically what I meant. Is there anything weird? That happened in the right was there like oh you would never guess john wayne had his balls out or something like was there <laughs> was there something anything about like the animatronics like oh you could actually climb up and touch alien it was easy i don't know like is oh, there yeah so there are there um i'm just trying to think of all the different ones so in in tarzan there's uh for those guys who didn't ride their movie ride it, it sucks that you hadn't but there's a <laughs> kind of goes through all the movies of yesteryear or up till the to, you know 1985 right. uh, so yeah about that so you'd come out of anubis and there was tarzan and tarzan was on the right and the big joke was uh we used to say like don't worry folks he swings both ways uh <laughs> but on the left there was marine o'sullivan wait marine o'hara marine o'sullivan marine o'sullivan is jane and then there was cheetah the monkey and then there's timba the big elephant so timba was an animatronic and jane sat on top of timba but timba only moved his head or her head and trunk and so the rest of the body was hollow. And uh, there were two two freaky cast members who, uh, during my time, who went into Timba <laughs> during, like, we were closed for, like, an hour because of there used to be fireworks. The sorcery in the sky, you'd have to close the ride because the fireworks went off overhead. Or there, maybe there's an event, and they're clearing the day gas before the event started, and they went and they just had it out <laughs> in Timba. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's the dream. Just, that's amazing. It really is. You know, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna do something, might as well do it in an empty elephant. In an, oh, that's beautiful. That's very Ace Ventura. Or uh, it reminds me of like the rhino where he comes out the the rhino's ass. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's really the case. Kind so. of. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally tangentially. Like yeah. It's exactly like that. Yeah. Uh, that's that's amazing. That yeah. makes my whole life complete. We would do like the witch all the time in Oz. This she was notorious. Like, everyone has a witch story where, um, so she would pop up from a well. Um, she was on like a like an elevator, and she would pop up when the CO two hit. And she was like the most advanced animatronic at the time at all of Disney. And the right. rumor is right now uh, that she's the new Red at Disneyland. That's the rumor. And it's been somewhat confirmed by a cast member friend of mine, but not totally confirmed. But anyways, she was notorious for breaking because she was so advanced at the time. So for me, I never got the hydraulic one, but there were a couple of times where she popped up and she threw her arm out to to the audience and popped a hydraulic oh. uh, tube and just soaked like the first six rows. <laughs> and just like, you know, this sticky, like, oily, just gray mess everywhere so i a girl on my uh, a girl i was dating she uh she got hit once i was a gangster and she was like the witch it bled everywhere and they're like what and she's like half of her face the face that faces the witch was like all caked in this crap and the other side wasn't and uh we we went one on one for that of course but for me and i i didn't do tour guide a lot uh, later on i usually did bandit or gangster but uh one day I decided to do uh, nothing but B-shows. B-show is the gangster show. Right. And so I didn't take a break or anything like that. I was like, I want to see what eight hours of just doing B-shows is like. <laughs> so I just like everyone in my rotation, I was like, just go around, go around. I'm like, are you sure? And I was like, I think one, I, so I went around so I could pee and eat. But uh, <laughs> the, like the f- maybe like the 19th show of the day. And that's a, a B-show for a tour guide. And so overall, the, sh- the ride's 22 minutes. If you're a B tour guide, that means you get hijacked in Gangster, which means the Gangster has an eight-minute show. If you get hijacked in Western, it's a four-minute show. So uh, so I basically was doing, what, eight minus 22 is 14. Yeah, like, so 14, every 14 minutes I was going around to see the witch. Well, and every 22 minutes I was going around, but I was exhausted. It was like climbing Everest, and then I'm probably <laughs> on, like, 19th show, and I'm like uh, – she's like who who did it who killed my sister i'm like no no it wasn't me i didn't do anything and there's this whole banter and i thought it was me just being so tired but her head had snapped oh. <laughs> she like flung her head forward so like her head was dangling it was all you could see was the pointy part of her hat and she's like throwing her body around and like you could see like it was like it looked like a shark caught you know, like got her and was just like just shaking her to pieces and i didn't That's even think amazing. anything about it. i i was so just blindsided to summit fever that I was almost done with my day that someone was like coming off the ride. They exited and they said, Hey, uh, great show. How, what was the story with the witch? And I'm like, Oh, it's the most advanced. Like I went into the spiel about like what she is. And they're like, no, like the head thing. And I was like, what? And then the next ride came, the next vehicle came in and they're like, the witch is broken. Her head's broken. It's, <laughs> and I was like, I totally missed it. I just did my regular spiel. Like just not even thinking about it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those are the things. And when I worked at Journey to Imagination, the big thing was Dreamfinder. One of the Dreamfinders had a thong on uh, to keep his clothes <laughs> tight, so we like took his pants off and took all these pictures. And that's amazing. Uh, and then there's a, and I've talked about this on other podcasts. There's, I don't know if you remember Kitchen Cabaret. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it was such a uh, such an underrated show. I mean, it's so yeah. ch- Chuck E. Cheese, but it's such an underrated show, and replaced with such garbage that Food Rocks was the worst. Yeah. But there's a host, Bonnie Appetit. She was an animatronic, you know. I remember, yeah. <laughs> so the when I worked at Journey Imagination, the maintenance team handled Journey Imagination, and they also handled the little living seas. And there was a different maintenance team that handled 
like the land and uh, I don't know, Canada, something like that, and um, or Spaceship Earth. They took uh, the art maintenance team broke into their or kind of covertly found their way inside their maintenance base and they stole Bonnie Appetit head and they <laughs> stuffed it in the journey to imagination ride um, in one of the wells. So you're, you're on an elevated track and there, there are, there's of course a well for the track to fit in. And then there's like these grates. So if water got in it, they drained out. So if you looked at us, you stood up and you looked in a certain space, you would see like, like a Stephen King movie, like all of a sudden out of nowhere, this Bonnie Appetit with a cigarette hanging out of her mouth and <laughs> Ray-Ban sunglasses would be staring like deathly at you. That's terrifying. Yeah, oh, there's yeah. She was also just a scary looking animatronic. Was, That's yeah. uh, beautiful but terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are also like all kinds of weird things. Like there are in, uh, just a abundant amount of drawn penises all over the Great Movie Ride that we oh, didn't come up with. That they were already <laughs> the Imagineers put there. That was a fun little game trying to find the <laughs> additional. That's amazing. Yeah. There's actually, I have one story that's through, uh, my girlfriend told me about, um, so she was working on the Indiana Jones ride and, um, there was a, apparently a guy who had, um, for lack of a better word, shit himself while he was on the (laughs) ride. And, um, he, the, the way she said it was some guy got up and sort of rushed off and, um, and, and, you know, nobody thought anything of it. And then the next crew went, or the next, you know, batch of people went on, and this this girl gets in and sits down, and they send the ride off. And um, when she came back, she was sobbing, and they were oh, like, no. "What's wrong?" And of course, she it turns out that she was sitting in this guy's pile of diarrhea. Oh no! That, and I can't even imagine the a how she didn't notice in the beginning when she went to sit down. I mean, yeah. I guess it's a little dark in there, but uh-huh. and and b just the horror of realizing what's going on halfway through that riding, having Indiana Jones be like, look out for those snakes. And you're just like, there's diarrhea all over me. <laughs> like the, and they, they and said she like, was just, it's throwing you around. It's not like it's a soft yeah, ride. Either. Exactly. Like, yeah. You're bouncing around and it. it's going deeper into your, into your skin and your pants, you know, like you're just absorbed. You're a sponge at that point for this other man's mess. Oh, but no, um, they had to like, you know, they, they apologized profusely and gave her new clothes and all oh. kinds of, and, and, you know, took the, the car off the ride. But like, I was just, I, I find that horribly funny in a horrible, hor- I, so I always check anytime I get in yes. a ride, I look down like at the thing and make sure, um, cause that, yeah, that story ruined me for life. That's a great idea. I mean, movie ride is, as I was saying, it's a 22 minute ride. I can, I, I don't have enough fingers and hands to count the amount of times that parents would have their kids pee in a cup and then just drop oh, it on the ride. Cause, cause there's no bathroom. Like you can't get out. And yeah. then my kid has to go to the bathroom, and I'm like, sorry, there's 19 more minutes to go of this ride. There's nothing I can do. And they're like, well, <laughs> okay. And you'd be like, there's n- so then you'd have to try to stop the ride and, and get, you know, like your the manager would come out and see if we could evac the family. And, but more times than not, they, you would just, like, be cleaning out the vehicle or you'd be going through the track at the end of the night, and there's, like, these cups just full of kids' piss. Oh, God. <laughs> that's just like, come on. What is this? Terrible. SeaWorld? What is it? Universal? Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's terrible. Ugh. Yeah. It's like the, what was it, Tokyo Disney when it opened? People were just peeing outside. Uh, did oh, you yeah. hear about that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> Shanghai. Yeah, like in Shanghai. Yeah, right? that's, yeah. Oh, that's terrible. So talking about the movie ride, because there's a couple things I want to talk about when I know we're going a little bit long. But uh, uh, so we obviously share a love for the, a mutual love for the movie ride. That's that's evident. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, so just uh, we'd love to just a little more detail, like you, you talked about the finale and kind of the feel of the ride. Is that was that really it for you? Is there anything else specific of the ride that you really appreciated that you that you kind of wish you could still see today or uh, or that you just you know never took for granted? Um, I mean, it was really just the whole experience. It was the whole I loved the queue, like which is so weird because who the fuck loves queues? <laughs> you know, like right. 
it was uh, going in and the sort of feeling of going from out, you know, if there was a line or whatever, going from outside to inside and then sort of the, the spectacle of that building and um, and the interior and seeing like the, you know, the Dorothy's shoes and, you know, mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff and going around there and the anticipation. And then I really loved maybe this is just because I'm a nerd, but like the the um, the, the the trailers like got me super jacked up, like the part with the, the cut down Raiders of the Lost Ark trailer, like made me so excited. And then. I don't know. There's I could still hear like the like the Mary Poppins, the the music that plays before yeah, that uh-huh, yeah. that trailer. And like just the sort of musicality of that was something that I really cherished. Like as I was like, oh, my God, I get to go on. You know, it's like Christmas Eve versus Christmas, like the anticipation of it mm-hmm. or, you know. And um, so I just love being in that room and queuing down to the ride. And I mean, the whole experience, I loved uh, singing in the rain scene. It was really I don't know. There was something magical about that. And then. As I got older, not that much older, but like once I hit like seven or eight and I wasn't terrified of the alien scene, I think that became one of my favorites because oh. it was just so there was also an element of like I used to cover my eyes and like, you know, my siblings would like hide under the bench and stuff. And then the sort of like conquering of fear feeling where you're just like, yeah, I could look at the alien like and then as I got older and I saw alien being able to appreciate just how beautiful that set was and the yeah. atmosphere and the sound and uh I mean, I really love that part. I would love to have like just a fully immersive alien ride. I think it would be really cool. Um, I think it'd be, that would be super, super cool. I mean, we, there's a cast member. She was so afraid of the alien scene, she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't spiel. She would work greeter and everything else. Wow. And that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I just can't do it. And we're like, you realize it's it's not real. And she's like, I just yeah. can't do it. I can't do it. And uh, she didn't last long at the ride, but. I agree. Like, <laughs> I, I, you don't like we talk about this online is you don't get that kind of detail that you used to get. I think that was a that was one of those marquee attractions where you like you could tell the Imagineers put everything they had into it. Yeah. You know, they really gave it their effort. Not to say that they don't today, but I think there are different circumstances which let their creativity flourish. It's very different now. I mean, now it's it's I mean, you look at stuff like Avatar Land, which I haven't been to, but I've watched videos and stuff. And it's it's a different kind of immersion and just a different style. You know, what I mean, it's the same thing as like just modern movies. There's just a different kind of style and sensibility. Like, I mean, it's also just very it's very hands on. I mean, you look at the ridiculous skeletons lining that, you know, the whatever that is, the horror corridor mm-hmm. that was sort of just connecting you to Tarzan like. That's kind of like cheesy fun was like really, I don't know, it was just really well done. Whereas mm-hmm. now everything's, you know, everything's projected and, you know, there's a lot more digital technology. Um, that's actually, that's a moment I really love weirdly is when the the ride picks up again after the, the, the tour guide comes back. I love that music as you're going through the skeletons. The, like, oh, yeah, the horror music. Whatever. The, yeah, I, I thought that yeah. music was always like really cool. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh how do you do you like in the music all the stuff that i sent over is that i love uh, dude i'm obsessed i've told a bunch of people i was like i, I got tracks like I, i'm obsessed like i have a huge like soundtrack collection and so oh. that's a big that's like a huge thing for me to have those and i was listening i listened to the anubis track like a million times because i it's so good it's really, i sent it yeah. to one of my friends who's an animator he's a big uh indiana jones fan i was like dude you gotta just listen to this this is amazing stuff and uh, yeah, no, I'm obsessed. I appreciate it immensely. Um, did you? I gotta ask. Did you like rip it off the ride, or is this something from like Mouse Bits? What What was your What's your secret? Yeah, so it's a little bit of everything. So some of it is source material from Imagineering um, that amazing I that I didn't get, but <laughs> I got my hands on. Um, I actually have uh, a handful of friends and actually family who uh, who did some Imagineer work for the movie ride, and so through 
through them and some friends, I was able to, to piece some of these together. Another Other ones are, you know, f- friends or other cast members I put together. And then there's probably some mouse bit stuff on there as well. <laughs> but um, the the ride tracks themselves, that like, it's – they're so good. Like, I – and they're so crisp. And I – like, I'm a – we talked about this too, is I've got, I don't know, probably 75,000, 80,000 parks tracks. Jeez. I've got a hard drive on a hard drive. I just started collecting one day, and it's – but it's, it's not like – somebody takes a iPhone or somebody takes a, a zoom, uh, recorder. It's like, I like the source material. Like I like somebody who like who worked at Disney who was like, this is good. I got to get this out. And then it makes its way through, you know, the fan base. That's the stuff that I really cherish because you know, that's, that came from the person who did the sound design and did the engineering and and recording and all that stuff. I mean, I still have stuff where people, you know, you can hear the, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into things, or you can hear, you know, where there's like, like a bleed. Cough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, the the movie ride stuff though was most of it is source material, which is great. But then I also did. Um, I used to have a mini disc recorder back when those were cool, and uh, I would ride around in the vehicles, and I would stick the I tape the mic up to the uh, <laughs> to all the different uh, speakers because there's point source, right? So each speaker was playing a different audio track. Right. So I would try and record that as well, and it's, I gotta find them. Uh, I've got there's most. A, of them. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just say there's a really cool method I was reading about um, where they could actually take the like electromagnetic waves. Have you heard oh, about yeah. this? Uh-huh. That blows my mind. There's a dude on like YouTube or whatever who has a bunch of um, like Universal Studios tracks that I've, you know, kept and or stolen from. Like I love the uh, the soundtrack to. Um, like the port of adventure or whatever at the beginning of islands of adventure. There's oh, yeah. just a bunch of really beautiful music that's not included on the soundtrack. And he was using that, um, or she, I actually don't know. Um, but uh, just the concept that this, whatever this thing is can drown out all the other sounds and only pick up the magnetic frequency of sound waves. I uh-huh. was like, you're doing this for, di- for theme park music. Like this is insane. <laughs> um, and like, what other application could that possibly have other than to pick up theme park music in a noisy yeah. environment? So, uh, uh, I'm glad that uh, I was able to, to find those tracks and you know share with people who really can appreciate it. So yeah, I was I was happy to share with you. There's some other things actually. If we ever do meet up, and I'm, I'm coming to LA, but do you remember um, as you pulled into Gangster Alley? Not a lot of people remember this, and it's totally cool if you don't. I'm not judging, <laughs> but as you right before we talked about the underworld, there was Patrick J Ryan's bar, which is straight ahead, and right above it there was like a apartment. And in that apartment, there was a uh, a projection of s- a couple fighting. Yeah, exactly. Some yeah, people yeah. fight. So I so that used to be just like an eight nine millimeter um, film, and right. so we were screwing around one day like we always do. We used to play um, like stickball in Gangster Alley during downtime. And so <laughs> think, oh, that's awesome! I think we <laughs> hit a stickball somewhere around there. And so I opened up the door to Patrick J. Ryan's, and there's stairs that go up to the projector, and there's all this film that was on the ground. And so right. I spooled it up and I poached, I took it, I poached it and uh, <laughs> I still have it. And so, and I've got a, I probably have a good, you know, 60 meters of it. Oh so, dude, that's amazing. So I'll cut some and I'll, what? So next time we get up, yeah, I'll cut it. I mean, it's, there's really nothing to it. I mean, it's just, I don't care. But, uh, yeah. So that's insane. Dude, that's amazing. I, I actually, weirdly, a friend of mine, like a friend of a friend, um, it was my buddy's birthday and he had footage from horizon. He did the exact same thing. He like snuck into horizon after it had closed cause he used to work there. And, um, and they just had a bunch in a trash can. So we oh, took man. a bunch and like gave me a clipping to give to my friend. So I made this like weird 
frame that I should find a picture of it to send to you, and I made it so it would light up. Oh, um, dude, that's awesome. It was it was the part where the kids are scuba diving in the school, you yeah. know, where they're like, come on, keep up. And uh, yeah, yeah it, it was I, I was blown away. He was just like, here you go. And I was like, oh, my God. And uh, he gave me a little sell for myself. But the, the thing that I made for my friend, I was very, very proud of. I was like, this might be the greatest thing I've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I need to keep um, this for myself now. But there's something so special about that to retain some piece of something that, you know, to you, it's like it's it's. It would be like to a Harry Potter fan, you know, like actually having something from the real world of, you know, Harry Potter right, or something, right, you know, yeah. like it feels so magical and so unobtainable to a fan of, I mean, you worked on the ride, so I, I guess some of the glitter and gloss is a little removed, but for <laughs> me, I couldn't just walk on the set of, you know, uh -huh, and yeah. um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's mine. Well, thank you for offering that. That's insane. Yeah, no worries. That's, it, uh. It's the least I could do, seeing as you're doing this recording. <laughs> take, take two. <laughs> no, I've enjoyed this. Yeah. We've talked about basically all new stuff, so this has yeah. been very. Uh, I'm totally, I'm totally in anytime. Awesome. So, I, so here's something that we we originally talked about, but I, I definitely want to make sure we talk about it because it's so relevant to you and to like the history of Disney, but uh, voice acting at the parks. And we we talked about this, and uh, I, I was telling you, I was telling AJ uh, folks that. Um, my favorite voiceover artist is BJ Ward. She, I, I adore her. I think she's great because she's so behind the scenes that you don't realize that you're listening to her until you're like, oh my God, she's the voice of Disney. I mean, she's like Carousel of Progress, Horizons, right. um, uh, the original um, People Mover at Disneyland, Spaceship Earth. Please remain seated. You know, s uh, Small World. like she, And Princess Alora. And, uh, did you know this? Uh, she's... She, what? She's she's Princess Alora in the original Voltron. Shut I I have to know that. I had to have known that. I feel someone actually just mentioned that to me the other day. I think. Let me hold on. I, I got to IMDb this. That uh, totally makes sense, man. I'm gonna. <laughs> it's a weird connect because someone had actually mentioned her name um, just the other day, and uh, or maybe I was listening to the Let's Voltron podcast. Um, yeah, she was the voice of Alora and Hagar. Hagar, Hagar, oh, crap. I, I always get that wrong. I have to say her name constantly in the show, and they're always correcting me. Yeah, well, fans um, are about to correct you again. I know, yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. They're like, no, AJ, it's Hagar. And I'm like, oh, I always want to say Hagar, like Hagar the Terrible. Um, you know, dude, I had to have known that because I'm such just a rabid fan of hers. So, and I don't know, and I'm a huge Voltron fan. We talked about this, too, is like, right. I'm, I'm like addicted to the 80s version of, of Voltron, like the whole Go Lion thing, but... Uh, and we'll talk about it just a quick second, but I want to get back to the the voice talent because, yeah, you know Disney's got they had so many amazing amazing uh, artists: Peter Renaday, uh, Corey Burton, Paul Frees, Jack Wagner, uh, Corey Burton again because he's so good. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I met I told you this, but I I met Corey Burton and uh, I was very I nerded out pretty hard. Um, he. Uh, he, 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 I was doing a session for something that I can't talk about, but, um, he, um, I recognized him and he had, it's so funny cause I've seen photos of him and I've seen interviews and he always looks very kind of like he's, you know, I've seen him in the like behind the scenes Imagineer stuff. He looks very professional and wow. he walks in with like a little baseball cap and a fanny pack and he looks like Paul Simon. And <laughs> I was just kind of like, I know this guy. Why do I know this guy? And as soon as he started talking, it was like, well, you know, do, do, do. And I was like, oh my God, he's, this is Corey Burton. Oh my God. And like, and so I told him through, you know, awkwardly while we're both wearing headphones across from each other. And I'm just like, dude, you're Corey Burton. He's like, uh, yeah. And I was like, dude, I love your voice. Like you do you've done his Captain Hook and his, uh, uh -huh, and yeah. the nightmare, the night, the Christmas, uh, Paul Freeze thing that he does uh -huh. is incredible. He's just insanely talented. He, I think he does Chip and Dale as well, or, or Chip, 
one of them. Uh, he, did, um, he did. We talked about this too. He did Cranium Command, right? He did General Knowledge. Oh, that's right. And he did yeah. Hypothalamus. So I went right. back and checked, and so we did those. Uh, he's just he's everywhere. He like he's the next in- incarnation of Paul Frees, and and which is funny because I think you told me this is that when they redid Mansion and Corey Burton did it, he had a really tough time uh, trying to be okay with over overdubbing or imitating Paul Freeze, right? He had yeah. his own his, his story was that he wouldn't he was like, I won't do it. They called him and could you imagine getting a call from Disney Imagineering and be like, hey, we want you to do this thing and he'd just go, nah. You know, like because it was it meant so much to him. Uh, what he was saying is that Paul Freeze was like the guy. He was the wow. guy that made him want to do voice acting. Uh and so I mean I'm probably butchering the story and I'm sorry, Corey, if you hear this, but um he it, it meant so much to him that he was he was like no I won't do it unless I could basically do like my own version but I don't want to do a carbon copy impression of Paul Freeze because I think it's disrespectful right, is yeah. essentially what you're saying so they you know I guess they Disney was like all right and um and you know what he does you know it's not Paul Freeze but what he did he I, I think what he did do is is beautiful it's incredible um because it has its own quality and mm-hmm. um it, and it's not meant to be Paul Freeze really you're just like oh this is this other I guess ghost host and uh, yeah he's incredible yeah he's would you say he's the tops for you yeah uh, well I mean Paul Freeze is my uh are we talking about Corey Burton or Paul Freeze uh, Corey Burton <laughs> uh I mean I love Corey Burton but I think Paul Freeze and I think you'd probably agree uh kind of takes the cake I mm-hmm. love his uh I mean you just can't you can't touch him he's just he's insane and I love his outtakes if you if you look those up I think they're on YouTube but I have uh, him yeah. in a I have him in like a haunted mansion, like nine hour playlist of like every noise and sound you could possibly ever not want to hear from the yeah. haunted mansion. And there's things where he's like into the tool, like he's just trying to get the words out. And right. it's, it's very funny. Um, but yeah, he's, he's incredible. And I'm trying to think who else. Um, I love whoever does the please stand clear of the doors. Oh, yeah. Like uh-huh. that guy's voice. Jack is, Wagner. Uh, yeah, that was Jack. is that who that is? Yeah, oh, so okay. Jack All Wagner right. was, and then his son, John was doing it after he died. I think he had throat cancer or something like that. And he passed away, but Jack, yeah. So Jack Wagner's like the other, he's the non creative voice of Disney. If you know what I mean? Like he's the everything right. else. He's like the BJ Ward. Uh, well, BJ Ward's kind of, she's a swing shift. She does both, but. Uh, Paul Freeze would come in and just nail all the character voices, and then Jack Wagner would, yeah, you know, the doors are now closing, type of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I lo- and what's your? Uh, God, I can't think of her name. Maleficent. Um, the the who does Leota, Madame Leota. Oh, uh, right, right, right. It wasn't Leota Tombs. That was uh, no, that was the she did her face. Her face, yeah. The, um, which also I I'm obsessed with the names like Paul Freeze, Thurl Ravencroft, and Leota Tombs, and like Raleigh Crump. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and yeah, and and. It's just it's crazy that these names were so haunted and scary sounding for, you know, and also I just love Rolly Crump. Like he's my favorite. If I had to name a favorite Imagineer, he he takes the cake. Like I've read his books and the have you read those? The acute story books that he's written. Um, They're so great. He's adorable. He had such not to digress, but he had such a different look. Uh, right. Than yeah. anybody else did. You know, it's like the whole like you'd probably know the whole story of the of uh, Haunted Mansion, how it was supposed to be the right. theater of the bizarre or the uh, bizarre of the absurd or something like that. And then Raleigh Crump's the no museum way. of the weird. Yeah. Museum of the weird. And then he's like, no, it's gotta be like this. And so they said, fine, we'll compromise and it'll be the first half will be this. And the back half will be this. And with Raleigh Crump and uh, it, it's, it's his stuff is so, it's so good. It's just so out there. For yeah. The, it's for the time. I was going to say the same thing about Paul freeze is kind of similar in that I, I call, um, this is going to be a weird connection, but I call 
like Raleigh and Paul Frees, like the Ringo Starr effect. In that, <laughs> and stay with me for a second. So in the in sense that like the, I'm a drummer, and so Ringo Starr was doing. He's not a technical drummer. He's not a good drummer by any stretch of the imagination. But he does what needs to get done. Like he does right. what needs to get done, and uh, and it works. But he was doing those those things that nobody before him had done there to drummers speak it's they're super simple things and you kind of laugh about them today but right. if you if you put it back in the day there was no inspiration other than you know uh, uh pharmaceutical <laughs> inspiration that uh that got him to do what he's gonna do and so the same thing with paul Fries and raleigh crump is that they they charted a path that was so different but so accessible and acceptable to masses that it worked you know what i mean and, right and well that's uh, what's so insane about all like mary blair like where the hell did that come from you know what i, I mean like her, i love her so much man it's so crazy and it's so i mean yeah she's incredible and um what's so weird is we take it for granted like you look at the imagineers you go well yeah of course like they're just making this shit up you know like walt's just like i don't know put the janitor in a room with the caterer <laughs> and like because he all the stories you hear about you know like exitensio like was just doing something completely inane and ridiculous and he was like yeah yeah yeah, just yeah. write the music and he's like walt i've never written this you know song in my life and he's like just and get it done you know he's like just yeah. get it done it's that was I mean, that's part of the genius of Walt Disney is he just took random things and slapped them together and then suddenly a random people. And it's just like this is he must have had such incredible insight into people. And uh, but for someone like Roly Crump, like you look at his art and it's so off the wall and yeah. so weird and also like promiscuous and, and yeah. like weird and strange. And it, just the idea of filtering that through, OK, I've got a haunted house. That's why you get really brilliant things like that chair, the creepy chair and like all those little uh, like the wallpaper uh -huh. and the, um, you know, all that stuff that's that makes the haunted, man haunted mansion what it is. Like, I love the this is so bizarre, but the, the grate, like the air vent grate that he designed. Yeah, it's like one of my favorite things or I don't know if it was him that designed it or if it's in the style of him, but it's all those you know weird design elements you couldn't i don't know it's all just crazy to me dude like even the bat stanchions when you walk oh into yeah like all of those things or the uh the crypt candles you know and they're the hands oh yeah you know? yeah, yeah yeah like how do you even get to what that's supposed to be and and uh i've talked about this at length in uh actually in an old in an old blog that i did a long time ago that is somewhere out in the world that's terrible with terrible writing is uh, <laughs> when I was in the movie ride, we were able to you could take tours of other rides through attractions um, like a co learning thing. And so right. we one morning at like 530 in the morning, we got to take a tour of the Haunted Mansion at Walt Disney World uh, before any you know, before any of the guests came in, the work lights were still on and, and we got to walk around this thing and like walk literally walk alongside the dune buggies and and go to go to see things that guests normally don't see and we had this amazing tour guide who talked about the whole story of how little Yoda was in love with uh, Master Gracie and she tricked the bride into on their wedding day to go to the attic and she locked her in the trunk and that's why you used to hear the heart of the bride because the heart was was essentially calling out to the to Master Gracie to find her and so uh, much better it's so much I better know. than Constance I, I really like, I love the Haunted Mansion, but I do not like the Voight basketball or Voight volleyball <laughs> with the projected face on it and, like, the cheesy her hatchet. puns. Ugh, yeah, and the hatchet. Like, it just doesn't fit into the rest of the story for me. And, you know, like we were talking about with the alien thing, like, I was so, so scared of the bride with the heart. Like, that took years for me to look at that thing as a kid because it was just 
so ominous and terrifying. And I, I didn't like E.T. because of the his voice and the glowing heart. Like, that bugged me out. And then also Temple of Doom. So I had this, like, weird complex about hearts. And so just the idea of this floating, like, horrifying bride with a, with a heart that I thought was maybe ripped out of her chest, but I could hear it, like, wigged me out beyond belief. And now, as an adult, I just appreciate the insane macabre feeling that it gives you. And uh-huh. I was so upset when it became what it is now, which is like, I chopped off my husband's heads, and it's like, all right, lady. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It just Dude, doesn't do it for me. I totally agree. Even the whole MC Escher part. Like that doesn't, oh, yeah. doesn't make any sense. It doesn't They're, fit. They were just filling space. They're I mean, fill, you're right. It's, is that where they put the, is the spider still there? The big jiggly spider? Or is that where the Escher thing is now? No, the big, uh, oh my God, you know what? I don't remember. Someone, someone, <laughs> someone will listen to this and will certainly be like, no, that's it. You know, show scene seven, uh, 300 right. meters. In. Uh, no, but uh, you heard the story about the, um, we could, I could talk on Mansion too because it's like my, in my top three. Yeah, me but too. At the so at Walt Disney World, you know, when you go to the ballroom scene, which is I've got to share some pictures with you. It's the coolest thing to be down on the floor for the ballroom scene. It's it's insane. It's so oh, cool. Man. The, that's uh, the dream. I just gotta get like John Stamos famous so I can <laughs> <laughs> That's the I feel like that's the only way I will be able to access that. I'm sure you can make some calls. We can figure it out. <laughs> but there's uh the the amount of force perspective that they use is is something that's just unbelievable. But the so the glass to create that effect, the um pepper's ghost effect so right. it's one big pane of glass that was essentially that. Was put in oh so you know the whole idea <laughs> about the broken oh, so with the gun and that thing that whole thing is that what you're well so the story yeah so somebody had a they say somebody had a gun and shot at it but what it was right, right. when somebody was they were doing a, a cleaning they were doing a rehab and somebody hit it with a something and they had to fix it so they couldn't bring in a whole piece of glass they basically I guess they were saying that, well, we'll epoxy it when we have a chance to, but then they never did. So they turned it into like a, the spider web, the spider scene. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> well, that wasn't related to the spider scene, right? There's the spider scene with the jiggly spider. And then I heard that there's the, like over the glass, they just like slapped a spider on it. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Not the scene. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I, I love that the story is like some wacko came in with a 22 <laughs> and was just shooting holes. And like, cause there's a story that he like, also went to like the Matterhorn or something and like uh-huh. shot a hole in the wall. And like, that seems, even for back then, that seems completely ridiculous where it's like, yeah, you could just have a gun in Disney World, you know, or Disneyland. Oh, yeah. um, I, I like the, I, I honestly like the idea better that someone was cleaning it. It was just like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Put a spider there. It'll be fine. No one will ever know. Yeah, it'll be, just put a bird on it. Yeah. yeah. And now, but now it has its own life of its own that even like, we're talking about it today. It's right. It's I think it's brilliant. Could you imagine being that maintenance person? And then like now there's all these rumors of guns and all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> just sitting in the back. just. La, 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 yeah. Me. It wasn't me. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah, I could I could go on about that ride because it was such a just a cool tour and and uh, the one thing I'll say before we kind of segue off is uh, that ride when the with the lights on is the scariest looking thing in the world. And I don't mean scary like <laughs> I mean like exposed wires and duct tape on things. You know, like oh no, like soaked rags next to f- open flame. Like you know what I mean? Like it's all these things where yeah. like at any moment this thing is gonna go up. And it's it's really I was like, are you okay with this? And they're like, oh, it's been this way for years. Don't worry about it. And I always, I always kind of look around of like, all it takes is one idiot <laughs> to do something, and yeah. we're all gonna go up in it. But 
Yeah. I love the stories about the ashes that people are like, oh, yeah. I'm bring- I mean, it's so fucking sad, but the idea of someone being like, I'm going to take my baby out and throw him in the haunted. And then like a couple hours later, someone just going <laughs> and vacuuming up the ad. Like, it's such a like, where do you think that's going? Like, what, what do you think is going to happen? They're not going to keep it there and be like, oh, well, that was Bill. You know, like, I, I don't know. I think that's so strange and absurd. And I appreciate it. I think it's cute. Um but also, I think it's weird. People shouldn't be dumping dead bodies in, yeah. in rides. Well, that's like so the Pirates of the Caribbean at uh, Disneyland. You know, you know the scene where it's the the bed, uh, the pirates bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a real skull in, inside the bed, the harness. That's. You know. I hope that rumor's true because I've is. heard that. Yeah. Right. I, 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 okay. Good. I believe you. Uh, <laughs> it, it's actually the skull of Raleigh Crump. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pre death. Yeah, and he was cleaning uh, one day, and he uh, knocked over the regular skull, and he needed to. Fill it. Yeah. No, but that's the yeah. So uh, a really good friend of mine used to do this, the Keys of the Kingdom, whatever they call it, at Disneyland. She used to do that tour. She did it for like twelve years, and that was uh, you know she they got trained by like the first person who do the king the the king of the or Keys of the Kingdom tour. Like, so that's that's the honest to god story is that they had to use a a real skull for it. It's I don't think I don't know who it is, but uh, right. Yeah, it's kind of. I'm sure it didn't come with a name tag. <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> Jimmy Johnson. It's someone's someone's will. The last place to put me is in the in some pirate's bed for everyone to look at and take pictures of. Man, if only we could do that. Like anything you put in your will has to be obeyed. There'd be a lot of dead bodies in Disney rides. <laughs> totally would. Just put <laughs> yeah. me on the roof of the monorail. Just going right. Ah, <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Oh, there's Justin again. Ah, <laughs> oh, he was. There so, he goes. Such a nice. Oh, there goes his arm. Well, that's right. <laughs> so anyway, so I I know we're running out of time, and I don't want to take up your evening, man. But I I absolutely love talking to you. I want to give uh I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about what's going on with your current life. I know you're um you're a little busy doing some things <laughs> so voltron season six it just dropped a couple days ago and i've been trying not to read spoilers because i still have one episode left of season five oh, um, wow. I, I just i have a kid now and it's like i have no time to myself anymore uh i like had to bribe my wife to be like hey can i go do this podcast <laughs> <Can you just laughs> oh, i'm sorry kid? no it's it's totally fine but so that's something I'm, i my next business trip i'm getting on top of but uh I, I first of all i i absolutely love it and i love the way that um I love the way that it's so respectful to the what was in the 80s, which I think a lot of people remember as the first in, you know, incarnation of Ultron before the whole Goliath, you know, J- right, Japan right. stuff. Um, and so it's it's really well done. Um, the animation's great. The theme song is insane. It's so love good. Love the theme song. So, so I always good. listen to it on the way to a session. I get myself pumped up by. I can't. I still can't believe that I get to work on a show with a theme song like that. Like, there's something about theme songs that like. It just blow my mind. Like as a kid, I would record theme songs oh, like yeah. you know, Jones and stuff on a cassette player to play back on my talk boy from, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, from Home yeah, Alone. Yeah, and yeah. I just run around and listen and, and like listen to it. And so the idea of working on a show that has a kick ass theme song is so it's so cool. So yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, AJ plays Prince Lotor, which is has been absolutely like elevated, right? Like that character has just 
like in the yeah. original was was kind of like he was always there but it was like a little zarkon and hagar thing and and he was played second fiddle so to speak and then he was kind uh, of a weirdo too like yeah. there was he had a harem and he was just i mean he was like i'm prince lotor and i'm you know i mean i don't mean to diss the original voice actor but like it was just a very bizarre the direction was weird yeah the directing was weird yeah was weird. but it was very 80s which is why it's beautiful because it's just like i don't know just get uh, bill from accounting to do it and that's you're <laughs> that's like right. yeah sure it's great yeah but now like he's uh, i don't want to give any spoilers away if anyone hasn't seen it but wow like what a what an amazing uh range of of character depth has been given to, not just to him but to all the characters first of all but lotar specifically um being where he is and and i uh, i kind of i tripped into a little bit of a spoiler and i hope it's not true so i don't want to talk about it but it's, <laughs> it sounds like there's even now he is is his his full plan is coming to fruition i guess and uh I, and if i'm wrong you can you're the guy to tell me, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, well, I, I don't yeah. want to spoil it for yeah. you or anyone who haven't, who hasn't, uh, who hasn't watched the whole thing yet. But yeah, I mean, he's, he goes through a range of emotions. So it's, uh, which is great. Cause he started off when we first started doing it, he started off so calm and cool. And, um, yeah, to be able to do, I mean, especially in, I think it was the last season in season five, just to be able to do cute, which was something I was trying desperately to do. I remember, uh, Lorna Joaquin, the executive producers, I kept trying to in, like infuse it with a little bit of like, a cheek, I guess you could say, like a little yeah. bit of like, you know, like Ewan McGregor, Austin Powers, almost like cheekiness. And they were like, AJ, stop, <laughs> you know, like uh -huh. just play it straight. And so then finally, once I got to sort of open that up and have him be a little friendlier and, and playful, uh, he's it's been so much fun. Um, but yeah, he's he definitely goes through a range of emotions. And he's uh, I he's my dream character for for voice acting. Like I wanted to do a British villain. I remember saying this out loud to my girlfriend. I was like, I want to do like a British villain on like an Avatar type show like years ago when I first watched Avatar Last Airbender. And now the fact that I get to do that in the best way possible mm. still blows my mind. And it's the dream it, do it thing, whatever that is. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I can't even imagine what a dream job that would be. Now, uh, Lauren and Joaquin, they're the showrunners, right? They're the creators and yeah. the showrunners, right? So, but they're not in all the sessions. Are they directing as well? They do. Actually, they are in all the sessions. I mean, one sometimes one of them would be sick or something, but they are there every single time. And, um, I mean, they are directing usually through our, our voice. We, Andrea Romano was the voice director for the lion's share of it, no mm -hmm. pun intended. And then um, uh, Serena, whose last name escapes me, uh, took over for her and uh, – it was yeah, but they are just they are just there. Um, How do I know constantly. the name Andrea Romano? How do I know? Is oh, she's uh, sorry. I just I just assume everyone knows. Is um, she from Even Stevens? Is that a different? No, no, that's no. Cool. Um, Christy Romano. That's Christy Romano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Andrea <laughs> Romano uh, did all the voice directing. She's done everything. I mean, if you look it up, it's mind blowing. She did Batman the Animated Series, Animaniacs, oh, Batman Beyond, Tiny Toons, uh, like anything that matters. That had a, she did Avatar: The Last Airbender, Korra. Anything that's been like an award-winning, like Emmy award-winning cartoon, she worked on and directed. Like she is one of the most talented directors anywhere that will ever exist. Oh, and it's, okay. yeah, she's she's insane. And I, I feel that was another thing. I was like, God, I'd love to work with Andre Romano. Andre Romano. And uh, she retired in the middle of our show. So I was, I got in right at the last, uh, the last second. And oh, that's um, great. Uh, it still blows my mind it because it, there's you know she's she's a legend she's like this she is the spielberg of voice directors i totally get it now with respect to voltron which is a, a amazing amazing show batman the animated series is that is 
that, that that's desert island stuff for me like it is yeah oh absolutely it's so good and i and now i kind of think about it, it makes sense um you could see her style like what she did with kevin conroy and mark hamill uh it you could see the the kind of the the brush strokes of it within voltron too i would say so it makes total sense that she she would uh she be working on that that's amazing man god it's such a cool cool gig to be able to go in and just hop into the studio and you work with reese darby who my wife absolutely oh loves. yeah She's she, amazing. She loves this <laughs> show called Wrecked that's on TBS. It's terrible, but it's so good. <laughs> and he's like the main character in it, and she's always quoting him. And uh, when I was telling her that you and I were talking, uh, she's like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. And I was like, yeah, and he works with Reese Darby. And she's like, oh, the, the guy from the show. That's <laughs> so like, funny. Yeah, I know. Uh, but, I mean, that's great. And and uh, it sounds like you're you're staying pretty busy with it, right? So are you doing any press? Yeah, for the most part. To- um. I mean, yeah, we do press here. It's kind of sporadic. It's weird because it's like we release a season and it'll be like six episodes and then we just kind of like it dies down. And, you know, it depends. Sometimes they'll have us do like a convention or usually mostly it's digital. So it's like I'll do a couple podcasts here and there. It's not as intensive as it could be, which I'm very thankful for. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst thing was doing and it wasn't the worst. It was great. Uh, doing New York Comic Con was my first experience doing anything like that. So that was um, a, a real experience for me. I'd never... Um, done anything nearly that big so it was it was um both the most exciting thing i've ever done and also the most like mind crippling terrifying thing i've ever done so i've never been on a stage in front of a giant like two giant screens projecting my stupid face in front of like you know however many thousands of people um so i'm uh i'm not super eager to do that again but it was (laughs) it's definitely something i'll have to do in the future but um yeah it's they, they keep us pretty busy and uh it's it's been great i mean the show's amazing. I, I, I'm nothing but thankful for how insane that show is. It really is. And just uh, as I follow you on Twitter, <coughs> uh, you're welcome. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> the, uh, the the outpouring of fan art and conversation and praise for your work is it's like it's it's monumental. I mean, it's crazy it's to see. Crazy. A lot of people ha- have taken to Lotor's character as kind of like this goth kid, right? Like the you know, that's a funny way to say kid. it. But uh. that's how I feel about him. I mean, it's weird because it's. I mean, I you know, you get a character and you want to for something that's this deep, you don't want to just go in and play it. Like I wanted to know from the beginning, like what's this guy's deal? And I talked to Lauren and Joaquim about it. Like, what is? Where are we going with this? And they sort of gave me vague little hints here and there uh, so I knew how to play it. But um, to me, I mean, I fully believe in what he's doing. I mean, he's I, I believe he really means these things. I know people are like, he's manipulative and this and that. But like, and he, you know, he's he's used to that, I guess. Right, That's yeah. the way the Empire goes. But um, I, I just played it as honest as I could. I mean, however the show shakes out, I, all the things that he's going through, I, I just wanted him to be a fully developed character. And I love that people sort of view him as this emo goth kid on some level because i mean he is he's got these horrible tyrant parents and um he's just he you know he's he's a result of his upbringing mm-hmm. and uh and and for him to even show a little compassion uh is is mind-blowing if you think about how abused he's been yeah. and um and so we try to play into that and um yeah he's I, all the love and all the fan work is or fan art is insane to me because i mean the other show I worked on, The Crudes, is one of my favorite. It's oh, like you the most. On the Crudes, that's awesome. Yeah, I, the Crudes TV show. I play Thunk and a bunch of other characters, and um, it was weird because it was like we were so tight, like the crew was so tight, and we got on so well. And then when the show came out, there wasn't any fan art and there wasn't any real <laughs> response because what we were told is that it did well, but it was mostly like two and three year olds that were watching. 
So we didn't get, you know, there was, I saw like one fan art piece and that was, that was it. So to go from that to Voltron was insane. I mean, I was just blown. I went from like 500 followers to like 10,000 in like a month. And now it's almost at like 40,000 or something crazy. And it's at first I kind of panicked because I was like, oh no, this is too much. But like, it's just love. I mean, I haven't gotten any real, uh, the other cast members were warning me. They told me they're like, don't talk about ships. You know, like shipping <laughs> characters are like, just don't do it because we all did it and we all got yelled at and um, by, by the fans and stuff. And they're like, also just you're going to deal with some crazy people. And thankfully, everyone's been super cool so far, mm -hmm. which is I haven't had to mute anyone, which is insane. Um, so it's been good. I think it's because I will specifically not talk about ships, though. <laughs> and you're like, God, the green line is just the worst. It's just the ugliest <laughs> looking thing I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, if I say anything even mildly derisive or uh, or mean, I, I'm sure they will tear into me. But so far, people, I like to post weird things, which I think is really fun. And that's when I get it's not backlash. It's like friendly. You know, it's like when a dad makes a joke and all the kids go, oh, my God, dad, why? You know, <laughs> like I'll post something super bizarre, like a really weird meme. And people are like, AJ, are you OK? What's wrong with you? And um, but that's about as weird as it gets so far. I've definitely had some some dude found my phone number from years ago when oh, I used no. to be an editor. I had a, like a website with my number on it that was for, you know, it was for, Freelance I was trying to get editing jobs right, like seven yeah. years ago and this guy found it and called me and I had to like delete the website and you know, it was, that was bizarre. Oh, um, man. yeah. But anyway, so far things have been really just great. That's awesome. That's so great. And, uh, yeah, it's been so popular that, uh, I, me personally, I hope that it continues on because, uh. Me too. It's just really good writing. Like everything about it is really well done. And that sometimes it's tough to revisit something, especially when there's a big nostalgic factor. I mean, look to go back to Disney, uh, you try and you try and either redo nostalgia and it doesn't work or you, or you tear it up and people get angry. And so, you know, a lot of thin skins. And so you've got to be careful about that. But I love it. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is just Back to the Future. So Marty McFly. <laughs> uh, we talked about this before. Is So my listeners, some of you may know because I've talked about it before, is I've got a, I've got a tick. I've got a, this weird thing where if Back to the Future is on, I have to watch it. To the right. point where I've missed parties. I've missed meetings. Uh, my friends think it's funny if they know that it's on and I don't. And then they text me and they're like, hey, turn on TBS or turn on AMC. And I'm like, damn it. And then my <laughs> wife's like, no, not this time. <laughs> She's like, no. And so, uh, so then I'll DVR and watch it later. It's, it's, uh, I'm not that crazy about it, but like, it's to the point where it's, it gets pretty funny. Um, so Marty McFly, and you do such a great job of them, like to the point. Well, and I, I play the game really well. Uh, I played a lot, even though the game, yeah, it's, it probably could have been a little bit better. And it's tough to take such an iconic story arc and do something with it, something original with it. So I, right. you know, you, you do the best you can with what you're given. And, uh, but, I never thought, even before you and I were, were you know, friends and, and, and doing stuff through Twitter, like I never thought about the voice of Marty McFly. I never was like, oh, that guy sucks, or that guy, like, <laughs> oh, he, that guy's really nailing it. It just, it was so organic to the experience of the game that it, the only time that I was like, okay, is when you have to replay something like seven times, and, is he, right. and he says the same thing over and over again, and you're like, okay, fine. Yeah. But uh, that, I mean... That's it, the best it, compliment, by the way. To to not be noticed is the best compliment, <laughs> which sounds crazy, but it's it's. I mean, that's what it should be. I mean, I said this in one of my interviews years ago, but it was like, to just have people think, yeah, that's Marty. That's what was wanted. I didn't want to be like, look how great I am, or look how you know, look how much I sound like Michael J. Fox, or is it Michael? J. Like, I just wanted it to be, and like, because it wasn't about. It's not about that. It's about serving the character, and that's mm -hmm. what, I you know, that was my goal. 
And um, even if I didn't get any praise, to just have it be seamless is the highest form of compliment. Um, and uh, dude, that makes me very happy. And I, again, I said this before, but like I was expecting people to just you know fillet me when that came out. I was like, you're not Michael J. Fox, and I was just waiting to be torn apart. And um, the fact that it had such a positive, like even Kevin Smith had d talked about it like on his podcast, mm -hmm. and yeah. I actually saw him at a restaurant. And I walked up to him and I was like, yo, dude, you actually, you talked about me on your podcast and they had even animated that exact segment for his show that's on Netflix or was on Netflix. Like they did an animated version of it and they animated me and the director Dennis, which is so bizarre. They did cartoon versions of us. And, um, and I talked to him about it. I was like, yo, dude, I'm the voice of Marty McFly. And he was like, holy shit. He's like, dude, meeting you is like meeting like, it's like meeting like a rock star. He's like, that was like my favorite segment of anything we've ever done. Like, dude, oh. And he was like super sweet and and awesome and uh, but the fact that it touched even him who I know is like a hardcore nerd and stuff blows my mind and I actually weirdly saw him backstage at New York Comic Con and I went up to him he was like looking really stressed about something mm. and I was just like yo dude we met before I'm Marty McFly I was like oh man you're here and like he got really <laughs> excited again and I was and it you know it was just heartwarming to have to have have touched people not like emotionally but just to have spread in that weird way I, yeah. I don't think. You know, I, I don't know, it just meant a lot to me, and it's crazy that it was accepted. And then to have Michael J. Fox come in and also voice Marty at an older age was, uh -huh. was crazy. I mean, I didn't get to meet him, sadly, but um, the whole thing was nuts. I still, I still don't believe it. I've told the story a thousand times, and there's no part of my brain that can compartmentalize that feeling. Like, I could imagine for, like, the kid who's playing Han Solo, you know, like, you probably could never convince him, like, hey, you're Han Solo. And um, you know what I mean? Like, or whatever that is, it feels false. And, you know, I mean, that's a whole different thing. I'm sure a lot of fans feel that way, too. But um, <laughs> he uh, but, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like to suddenly slip into something like that or for like you and McGregor to be Obi-Wan Kenobi, like yeah. that's surreal. You right. know, like you, you have no capacity to accept that because you dream about it as a kid. And then to to have to inhabit that and deal with that reality in a good way is um yeah, there just isn't a part of your brain that can accept it. So, sorry, I just rambled on a lot, but like. No, I, I appreciate it because I, I, I'd rather much listen to that than be like, "Hey, remember the time you did Marty McFly and just got destroyed on the internet?" Yeah. You know, like. I mean, I've I've done some other voice match things that uh that people are just like, ugh. So um, it's nice to have, you know, because sometimes you go in and you don't even know who the actor is. Oh right. So um, I won't name anything specifically because I don't want people to call it out, but like. I've definitely done some stuff where I'm like, well, that was not good. But, you know, the director seemed happy. And um, I've gotten into arguments, not arguments, but I've gotten into like, well, I think his voice is a little more like this. And they're like, no, 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 do it like this. And I'm like, I think it's a little more like this. And the thing comes out and uh, and it doesn't sound right. And I'm like, well, it's because I did what they wanted. Yeah. Um, that's right. But with Back to the Future, they only made it better. And uh, the Julian, uh, the director, uh, the guy who and, and Dennis and all those guys like had a really good ear for that stuff. And they crafted it in a way that even I was like I was like dude you guys know this so well it was insane yeah well I mean because Bob Gale right was Bob Gale he was the, yeah he was there and um he did he approved of it and there's this crazy interview with him and Christopher Lloyd where Christopher Lloyd's like I thought it was Michael and I'm like that's insane to me <laughs> <laughs> dude it's it's just amazing so you you know what's coming like I have to I have to ask it and I hope you're prepared for it to some degree but <laughs> I didn't, and no. my girlfriend told me to. You know I'm it's the coming. Worst. <laughs> you know it's coming, and I'm not gonna let you out of it. Uh, I but, know. But so I, I was gonna write a treatment and say like, this is what you have to do, but instead I'm just gonna let you go with it because you didn't prepare. So okay. But here's what I'm gonna do. So we, 
for those who aren't in the know and you can't because the thing didn't record last time, but I asked AJ to uh, if Marty McFly and Prince Lothar went to Disney World on a couple's vacation, like whatever they went on a you know retreat together to Disney World, and uh, one of them I think I said what did I say Space Mountain in the Hall of Presidents? I can't remember what it is, but uh, <laughs> so I I just want to hear if just if these guys were hanging out in line or they're you know in line getting tickets or they're they're walking around the park, I just want to hear what that would sound like, and I want to just enjoy it for a minute <laughs> okay okay <laughs> oh god all right um you know i was thinking maybe we should go to the uh you know the people mover i love riding the people mover just going around in a circle that is so terribly boring you're you're a very sad little man no no i mean you know it's great you get to see the inside of all the rides and everything it's you know you get to live through it vicariously you don't actually have to ride space mountain what does space mountain make you sick or something uh, yeah, maybe, you know, I get a little uh, tummy trouble when I ride Space Mountain, so I like to just, you know, I get to see the inside. That's very pathetic. Um, I think I'll go ride Space Mountain, and you can go on the, what's it called, the people mover? Go have fun with that. It's <laughs> so good, man. It's so good. I hate to make you do party tricks. I really do. because No, it's cool totally dude. fine. I wish but, I had prepared something. I'm so glad that even came out slightly legible. No, or, it's, uh, it's, it's so good. Like, that's... <laughs> That's just icing on the cake of this this whole thing. It really, <laughs> really is. Uh, yeah, I, I I honestly could talk for for another hour or two, but uh, you know we're I gonna, could we're too. Run. So yeah, my dog's got to yeah. poop soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> so so, but if you yeah, if you ever want to come back on the show, seriously, open open uh, invitation, and we can uh, we don't it won't be the Q and A this time. I think it'd be great to just kind of riff on what's going on, state of the state of the parks and the state of the company and all that stuff, and uh, what's happening. So, uh, AJ, thank you again. It's been an absolute pleasure. You, uh, even not just through this episode, but just getting to know you personally through the last, uh, you know, however, through Twitter and, and phone conversations or whatever. Super cool. And uh, oh, thanks. So yeah. You too, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I mean, I've enjoyed your your inside posts and stuff. I mean, I've geeked out about all your posts. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Because um, not many people are doing what, you know, I think it was a Tom Morris is yeah. the imagine he then sends out some sort of like salty tweets here and there, you know, or just kind of like, uh -huh. but um, you sent out some really cool stuff, and it's so it's been exciting to get to know you, and and yeah, you're you as well. Uh, it, it's it's been very cool. I'm very happy to have you know to actually. I think this episode turned out better than the last one we recorded. I, I would, I, you know, I'd have to agree. There's some things I wish we <laughs> did talk about. Like we really got into some good haunted mansion, the the movie part that we right, didn't talk right. about but that's oh yeah about, that's right yeah but uh that's i think we can certainly if you seriously dude if you ever want to come back on just let me know just be like hey i'm i'm free this weekend and i feel like recording something i can always throw something on and we can we can chat but dude, totally uh, yeah hit right. me up anytime i mean if you need to if no one wants to be on your podcast let me know <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thanks again aj for everything this was monumentally extraordinarily awesome Dude, any anytime. And, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, and so for those of you uh, who are listening, thanks so much for listening. I apologize for not getting these out more often, but uh, I think I I starting to get into a nice cycle with parenting and uh, and work that I can start to do these again. And so uh, I appreciate your patience as we get uh, you know your podcast is now moving. Uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get some more conversations with AJ um, moving forward. I got some other folks who want to come on, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but in the meantime, check me out on Twitter, WDWTales, uh, WDWTales.com, WDWTales on Facebook, which I don't do anything with, so Twitter's probably the best place to find me. Uh, but in, uh, you know, in the meantime, 
I'll see you next time. Well, if you should decide to join us, final arrangements may be made at the end of the tour. End of the tour, yeah. Take two. Well, if you should decide to join us, final arrangements may be made at the end of the tour. A charming ghostess will be on hand to take your application.